I used to love I used to love uh, Tony the Tiger Flakes. I haven't had cereal in years, but I used <laughs> to really like Flake? Frosted, Frosted Flakes. Flakes. That's the one I can think of the name. Tony the Tiger Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember the mascot. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> What's that cereal you kids ate? Tiger name. Flakes. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if that's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Step by Step. Step by Step won 160 episodes with its first six seasons on ABC and the final seventh season on CBS. Today we're going to be talking about Episode 1, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 20th, 1991. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, Gordo, Ferg, Joe, and not Nick. Sorry, guys. How's it going, guys? Patrick Duffy Horny. Dear God, I need a man. I get nothing this week. Sorry. <laughs> to be you fair, put this a isn't rat a very... in my locker. All right, here we go. That's what. <laughs> that was so sassy. Rat boy. <laughs> I married Patrick Duffy, but it turns out he's just a leg on a bigger monster. <laughs> That's the joke I want to go with right now. <laughs> South Park. I, was, I thought I thought for sure Ferg was going to give us the South Park reference. I was waiting for it. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm TV's Patrick Duffy. <laughs> Good old Bobby Ewing. Uh, Joe, you were about to mention, and are correct, not the most quotable episode. I mean, we'll obviously get into it as we go along, but like I told you before, you know, I take all my notes for the show a little easier because I didn't have to like Hawkeye what everybody was saying. It wasn't so much about one-liners. Yeah, these are easy notes. Yeah. I will say off the bat, though, without giving anything away, this is, and I think I mentioned to you guys earlier, this to me is like a sitcom's sitcom. It felt like a sitcom. It gets in. It gives you jokes. It gives you zaniness. There's a family, and we're out. It didn't feel drawn on. It wasn't 30 minutes. It was, I get why this show went eight seasons or seven seasons, because it just is background noise, for lack of a better word, you know? So I, I apparently had never seen the pilot because I, one of the main plot points of this show, I don't remember at all. <laughs> Yeah, me too. No, I'm with Well, I'll save it for when we get into it, but... I'll say this. I I very much remember watching Step by Step. It was one of my favorites as a kid, to be honest. And this specific episode, the pilot, I don't at least remember. And this was a show that not only did it have its original run, but was pretty heavily syndicated for a while, too. But this specific episode, the origin, I don't really remember. Yeah, this was, was a TGIF show, wasn't it? Yeah, first few years. Yeah. Uh, a weird thing I found out I didn't know about with this being on TGIF was uh, the girl who plays Al, the uh, the youngest daughter who has appendicitis in this one. Yes. She actually met Jaleel White as TGIF cast member friends there, and that was her first boyfriend. So Al and Urkel were dating. Oh, I love Al. Alkel. Yeah, Alkel? Urkel. <laughs> to stay with episode one, I don't like to get ahead too often, but... Something I was going to mention at the end of the episode, but I guess we could talk about before we even get into it. They did have him guest star in episode two playing Urkel, which is something that ABC's done before because when we did like Hang Out Mr. Cooper, they did- um, The Seavers, yeah. Yeah, they had the Seaver thing and then Full House did the same thing where actually it was Michelle who guest starred on- which show? No, it was Urkel guest starred on Full House. It was the episode when Stephanie needed glasses, but she was yeah. embarrassed. Right, right, right. But there was an episode that Michelle popped up. It's something we covered too, and then episode two had Michelle in it. Who's Michelle? From the Olsen Twins. Full House. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. And now I can't remember what show it was. Damn. Ah. 
Well, <laughs> regardless, sister. it seems to be a um, no. It was something we covered. Uh, but regardless, it seems to be something that ABC does to you know get crossover interest, which it's isn't cross promoting. Yeah, it's not a bad idea early on if someone's not sure about a show, or at least if they have like a show they it's already successful. Bring someone over to this one for guest spot. It'll have the fans watch an episode, see if they like it or not. I will say though that means Urkel's pretty well traveled, right? Because that means he goes from Chicago to San Francisco and then to Port Washington, Wisconsin. Urkel's yes. he's a kid. He's traveling around pretty good. He probably invented he probably invented some kind of like transportation device that like zaps him around. He did. It's called the Purple Urkel. Well, that's different. <laughs> that's very that, that just transports your mind, right? But yeah, let's um let's get right into this episode. Um, starts right with the intro, which um first off. So the whole thing takes place in a like amusement park. It's uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain. I saw that it was in California, correct? Yep. But what was the budget for just this intro? It was clearly a lot because they paid money to have an exploding popcorn machine happen. <laughs> if that kid goes to sneeze, then you can basically see the hand pop out from under the thing and like throw popcorn at his face. I laughed so fucking hard at that. Between that and I felt like uh, just the the way it was shot was like a little more cinematically. Now, the version I remember didn't have the popcorn. It had him lick his ice cream cone and it fell. And then the other one takes it off the top and puts it on his. I do remember that, yeah. Because, like, Cody, who's not in the first few episodes, isn't in the intro yet. Eventually, the mother and sister characters, who we'll talk about later, are no longer on the show later on. They're edited out. So it's kind of an ever-evolving. I have zero recollection of them. I know they weren't in the earlier, I mean, the later episodes, but I literally don't remember them at all. They're just season one. And I remember both of them for two very different things that I'll talk about when we get to them. And that's probably why I do remember them. But just real quick, Jay, you said how much money did they have for the budget of the opening theme song? I agree with you until it cuts to them on the roller coaster going up. And it is the worst green screen you've ever seen. You know what's funny? It's something that, I noticed it today, and I was like, wow, that's bad. But I never noticed that growing up. Granted, we were kids, but this was the today was the first time I ever noticed that they were green screened, waving when they were looking down at, um, on the roller coaster. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, like that was good technology back then. We're looking at it right now as almost every, you know, when you have deep fakes and all this other stuff. It was 30 years ago. It looks good. It looked fine. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't, it didn't bother us as kids. I just mean now it's funny to see how big everything looks in theatrical and then, you know, the clearly pasted on like a 90s green screen. I mean, I think TikTok green screens are a little bit better nowadays. Technology's come a long way. Also, I mean, the, um, I could put myself on the moon on our Zoom call. I wanted to. <laughs> That's true. I will say that was it last week or two? Two weeks ago, we recorded an episode, and Nick was like, "Wait, what's happening?" And he realized he was wearing a green T-shirt, and he was like washed <laughs> out in his own background. That <laughs> is 2022. Uh, so you know, it was like doing an episode with Jombie. Yeah, <laughs> like a high. Uh, it also in the intro, the song is called "Second Time Around" by Jesse Frederick. He's done a lot of intro songs. He's kind of famous for it at that time. He did "Perfect Strangers," "Full House," "Family Matters," just to name a few of the big ones. I went deep on him. He has an album from um, the late 70s and like a couple singles too. He had like a sort of failed recording career, but I can't even imagine how much money he must make from Full House and Step by Step and all these things. Yeah. Like, good for him. I know he did Family Matters. I didn't know he did uh, Full House too. I think Perfect Strangers as well. Yeah, he did Perfect Strangers. And we've had this combo before. I just, I miss good theme songs on shows like it depends on the show i think shows like this they definitely fit but i think a lot of times where we've talked about future shows like some of the newer ones where they just kind of have a quick screen with the title 
it works there too. It, it really just depends on the style of show. Well, to be honest, like the the theme songs that like really stick out to me in like ones that we covered, uh, like Perfect Strangers, this, uh, Family Matters, Step by Step, it's all the same guy. So I miss that guy doing themes. Yeah, just, He's it's like, like the CFO dollar sign of TV themes. Now that yeah. Nick's not here, we can talk a yeah. little bit about CFO yeah. dollar sign. It's the same with um all like the, the Disney afternoon and Saturday morning cartoons. Like there was one guy that did all those too, and I think he died though. Like not to jump into wrestling too hard, but every wrestling theme from the nineties as kids that we love was either Jim Johnson or uh Jimmy Jim Hart. Johnson or, or Jimmy Hart, right? <laughs> and then once they were gone now, it's just like, oh, we'll just pay some shitty new metal band to write a song. You're like, oh, this is a nightmare. I do wanna to clarify for people who are listening who aren't big wrestling fans or are a normal level of wrestling fan, CFO dollar sign, which I think they just actually go by CFOs. I, yeah, they're just CFOs. <laughs> they're um they are the comp the like the music group that did a lot of the more modern wrestling themes for WWE. They're no longer with them, but I didn't even know that was the name of that group yeah they did all like the recently good ones too like sasha banks they, they did, did nakamura's um, theme they did yeah. nakamura they also did uh robert rudes i hate well i oh, like the Rob- yes. i like the bobby, the bobby rude one but i hate the nakamura one i oh, no. hate the nakamura one it's one it gives me a headache th- funny thing about the nakamura theme is that was supposed to be bobby rudes theme. no other way around glorious was supposed to be nakamura's theme. yes that's what i meant yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what i meant to say <laughs> bobby rudes just comes up to strange japanese music <laughs> but it's let's not, not japanese hold on we're gonna isolate people way too much because we're talking about the most <laughs> one of the more like classic 90s sitcoms yeah we're getting into a weird space unless cfo dollar sign wants to make us a theme song uh, you know what won't happen is if you're going to just continue to say their name wrong after I keep correcting you about how it's pronounced and you keep saying it the wrong way, I don't think that will inspire them to do something for us. Touche. But uh, but moving forward, because I think we've, we've exhausted that conversation enough. Well, I say we try to find, the we get this guy, the Frederick guy, to do a song for us. But I that would be say great. What's the one name? thing I would ask him not to do that they do in this song is the weird kids chorus that I totally no, forgot Definitely about. not on the rest of the show either. Is I it not? Don't no, remember that I was like, all. were there no. fucking kids singing? I never remembered that. No, there isn't. This was definitely the extended version for this. Because this, it was a quick thing. It was just like the step by step, day by day, da 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 da. So I don't know if it was all a season one or at least just this episode. But for this episode, yeah, the intro was almost two full minutes long, which for a television intro is absurd. Usually a minute tops, usually around thirty seconds. Yeah, this is a twenty-three minute sit, uh, pilot of a sitcom, and four minutes of it are the theme song. It's like, what is happening here? Yeah, because at the end, too, at the end credits, they go off on, like, a long right, rock yeah. saxophone and, and we'll, solo. I want to touch on that four. at the end. Yeah, we'll touch on that at the end of the episode, too. But ultimately, I think what happened here was they spent a shit ton of money on this intro, and they were like, we we're need using to use it. this footage. Yeah. I worked really hard on this song. You need to use the whole thing. <laughs> it's in the contract somewhere. <laughs> but when we were kids. There was like that show Kids Songs. There was that show Kids Incorporated. There was a really weird push pre-internet for like, oh, kids can sing songs and it's like a thing, right? So I wonder if they were trying to like maybe capitalize on that. Yeah, and I think, bop. yeah, I guess now Kids Bop is a thing. Also a show where there was like six kids. That was a th- Kids Bop was like a thing in the 90s. That's when it started. Yeah, but Kids Incorporated and Kids Songs were the 80s, and this is 91, so I'm saying it was probably a carryover from that. Oh, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. There's also a Canadian version I can't remember the name of, but they would dress the kids up like pop stars. And I bought one of the record ones because it had a little kid dressed up like Adam and the Ants. And I thought it was so funny. <laughs> and then I sobered up and was like, this seems sketchy to own. And I got rid of it when we moved. I was <laughs> like, burnt it. Yeah. It's like if the FBI ever shows up here, I'm going to be in trouble. I think yep. um, I don't want to get too far just talking about the intro of the show because we have a whole episode to, to keep going into. I'm sorry. It was a fifth of the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah he's correct. Like, We're allowed to talk about it. It's that big of a part. It's a very creative opening. It's like they put a lot of work into it. And that roller coaster is pretty awesome. It's like a really big wooden roller coaster. Like It's huge. Well, you know what? Let me give you a couple other tidbits. If we're going to talk about the intro for most of the episode, a couple little things. There was an unaired pilot of this show oh. that originally Mark was casted by some other kid. And in the intro, there's a couple clips where you can see the original Mark because he's he has dark hair. So the first shot where they're all walking, he's with his mom, Carol, and she's so if you see her with a brunette, you know, son, Mark's that the was the original right? Mark. Yeah. And he got recast for the episode we saw, which was the first televised pilot that, that was uh, produced. You know what's funny too is they had to redo the, <laughs> this intro a few times because, was, like we said, they they got rid of the the mom and aunt. They they added Cody, all this other stuff. So <laughs> they have to just keep going back to this theme park and like recording shit. <laughs> I suspect that's why, and I want to get too ahead, but because we've talked about Cody already in later episodes and later seasons, when everyone's on the roller coaster, it's. They change it so it's Cody and Mark looking up and waving. And I think that's because Mark wasn't there for the original filming of the oh, intro. that makes sense, yeah. So I think that's how they got him into that scene to make it make sense. You know what oh. also was weird? It was the older girl and Al in the ball pit. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you in the children's thing? And she's also like the sort of stuffy one. So like it doesn't make sense that she's in the ball pit. <laughs> exactly. I mean, ball pits just are notorious for having pee in them and stuff like that's actually a, a true story it's why mcdonald removed them i watched a documentary on youtube about it recently because kids just piss in the ball pits yeah well i mean you figure like little babies go in there and like they shit and piss themselves <laughs> there was something about something like this is a really weird fact to know but there was something about like why? six left in the united states and then covid happened and that basically finished the rest of them off there's like no more ball pits in america yeah that's weird. Uh, good riddance. I think we should have an S1E1 inflatable ball pit that will come to your party. I'll give you a ball pit. Gordo will show up at your house uh, if you'd deep. like, uh, with the namesake of all of us. But uh, I probably <laughs> I, won't I don't be want there. my name on that, actually. Yes. I'm going to sue to get that taken off. <laughs> I'll sue you. Can we get uh, costumes made up of us, like as our cartoon character drawings? And then we'll just hire people to come in and not talk. Like, uh, but we just all show up as the Burger King Kids Club. Remember them? But <laughs> yeah, everyone's do. wheels for some reason. Because he's in a wheelchair. And they call them wheels. Why? <laughs> you could never do that now. <laughs> yeah. I think about that like once a fucking week. I'll be I'll wake up and be like, how'd they name him wheels? How did this get passed? I don't understand it. <laughs> don't roll a chair, man. Okay, so <laughs> let's get <laughs> let's get into the actual episode here. All right, so now let's get into the actual episode itself. Uh, so it starts with this establishing shot of a house with this title card over it that just reads his house. And then we go inside and it's a pretty realistic looking apartment. It's also an absolute dump. We've talked about this a lot in other episodes, how like realistic the house looks. I, this is weird to me. Look, I get that he's a bachelor. I get that he's got three kids. He's, you know, he's single and he works, 
this is unrealistic. This is not. And he's I'm been... going to say this, Joe. I think it was realistic because he was away in Jamaica for a whole week. Kids running the house. We'll get into that. But he'd be bothered. He wouldn't just be like, oh, there's a spider in the cereal. No big deal. Everyone move on. Like, he doesn't give a shit about what's happening. Throughout the episode, we kind of see there's a lot of a lot of examples <laughs> where you could see how he was kind of a mess up until, you know, ending up in the situation he did. I will say later on, he does make the best breakfast sandwich I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. So maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, so um, so we have the three kids sitting there. Um, let me just say this: this episode is, or the show in general, it's kind of like a modern twist on the Brady Bunch, where there's a uh, man and a female. They both have three children each. The only twist was this time: instead of three sons on one side, three daughters on the other. They kind of flipped one, so it's just two sons and a daughter, and then two daughters and a son. Still ends up with three and three when they're all in the same house. It's too bad they're missing out on a really horny maid. Yeah. We'll save that, but we get, horny, we get the horny aunt, though. No, we have the most horny dad in like the history of sitcoms. <laughs> That's true, but the aunt's That's pretty true. horny, too. But uh, yeah, so anyways, right now, uh, it's, a, it's the three children of um, Frank, and they're home without him at the moment, and they're about to have breakfast. And they're passing out a box of cereal each, which is uh, corn flakes, bran flakes, and sugar flakes. Oh, you must have been all about that, you bland bitch. No, uh, sugar flakes, gross. <laughs> I used to love, I used to love uh, Tony the Tiger flakes. I haven't had cereal in years, but I used <laughs> to really like flake? frosted, frosted flakes. flakes. That's the one I can think of the name. Tony the Tiger flakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the mascot. What's <laughs> <laughs> that cereal you kids ate? Tiger name. flakes. <laughs> that wasn't me trying to be old. That was me just literally not remembering the name of the cereal. <laughs> Tiger flakes are delicious. <laughs> all, uh, all of which are empty. And we also see that uh, one of they find a bowl of cereal that is literally it's like the cereal and milk were left in the bowl for days. And now it turned into almost like concrete where you can lift the bowl by the spoon that's stuck inside of it. You know what I found strange about this is all the other cereals were generic. But when he pulls that out, he goes, oh, we can find some Fruit Loops. So he used the name brand for the for the. Oh, that is one. a good point. I didn't notice I didn't that. didn't think of that, yeah. I mean, also, too, very unrealistic. Milk is going to do that. If anything, it's a liquid. It's going to evaporate and then make just a sticky mess. You'll get a fl- like a, a film on the bottom. It's a, it's a fun visual gag, but yeah. And that's discovered right as um the dad walks in. There's nothing fun about the state of that house. You that really hate child joke. abuse. Well, I was more thinking that I was mad about the fact that it was cereal. If they were like, hey, look, we've got this beef stew from three days ago and it was stuck in the bowl, you'd be like, oh, okay, that seems like a fatty, congealy thing, but not a bowl of cornflakes. Well, what they, well, immediately right after, though, Patrick Duffy says, what did I tell you? Don't leave milk in a cereal for more than four days, so why don't you go and stuff it? <laughs> I don't know what you're responding to. Yeah, you're responding I didn't to something no one agree with you. I said that that doesn't make sense. What are you talking about right did now? You, did you have a line ready to say but didn't wait for someone to say the thing that you needed <laughs> no, to no, be no, said? No, you no, need no, a no, setup no, you no, didn't no, get? Said it wasn't like he pulled out a beef stew from three days ago. And I said that what his line next that's saying the I told you not to take cereal out for in four days already defeats the fact that that would be longer than three days by one day for the beef stew that he's allowing the children to leave cereal out in. So your argument is four days of milk versus three days of stew for some reason. <laughs> you thought this was going to be a quick episode, Jay. <laughs> Do you think there's a point where Gordo realized he didn't have a point 
and now he just has to <laughs> go with it. I did have a point. You just don't have the big brain to follow my logic here. Okay. Well, I'm with Nick. I really think you have a carbon monoxide leak in your house. I'm a thousand percent convinced of it. Um, so, because you brought him up, and uh, Frank is played by Patrick Duffy. Uh, he's the father in this show. Handsome Patrick Duffy. Yes. Well, also, you know, to mention for the show, a lot of the reason this show even happened was the idea was Patrick Duffy had a contract with the production group. And after Dallas, he was, they were contractually obligated to find him another show. So what they did was they got him and Suzanne Summers, who we'll meet later, who plays the mom, Carol, who were basically like two of the hottest actors of the seventies. And they put them together to play parents in this and took a bunch of the children who were half the kids in the show were from other things. And they try to like pull together this almost all-star cast to get different attention. So the kids might, where were the kids from? Probably failed uh, sitcom. The oldest daughter is from uh, My Two Dads. Remember that show with Paul Reiser? No. And uh, even though we're not going to see him in this episode, Cody was on Dallas with Patrick Duffy. Okay. And I, I don't remember. Every, yeah, I don't remember everybody's character, um, like back history. But essentially, the idea was to put a few familiar faces together that would garner uh, attention from both adults and children. Oh wow! So it's like a super group of. In a way, yeah, pretty much. It's a Brady yeah. bunch. <laughs> but uh, to go back to the situation we were talking about the serial and all that, I'm a little confused by this this whole situation so far. So he starts by saying he's glad to have them back when he first walked in, meaning that they weren't there when he was gone. Then they inform him that they're out of cereal and they find the bowl with the milk and all that. And uh, that would also imply that they hadn't been there because they didn't see all this stuff happen. But then the dad replies with, I'm gone a week and you kids forget the rules. Never leave a dirty dish in the sink for more than four days. So what's going on? Were they home or were they not home while he was away? Uh, he just seems like an all around bad guy, in my opinion. I don't think bad guy. I think bad parent. No, definitely a no, bad he's, guy. He's a stalker. Uh, we'll get into that later. <laughs> well, we actually, to be <laughs> but... fair, yeah. We, to be fair, we'll get into that. That's a big jump ahead. So we'll, I want to get into that when we get to it. <laughs> okay, you know what? Duffy might be a bad guy. I think you convinced me. <laughs> but I'm just a little confused by that in general, because the, the lines he was saying early on are very conflicting. So I literally can't tell. Were these kids home without him for his trip, or were they away somewhere? That's the impression I got. I got the impression they were home, and the oldest kid's like 14, and it was watching the house. Like, can we get like a world where they were left home alone, fighting off the wet bandits? Well, this is also the same year, I want to say, too, in a very similar plot to uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It's just like a bunch of... Great movie. Bunch of blonde teens home alone while the mom's away in a vacation somewhere. So, and then during all this uh, breakfast stuff, the daughter Al uh, tells her dad that she's not feeling too good and she thinks she should stay home from school today. And he feels her head and says it feels like a spelling test and tells her he'll give her a ride to school. She replies with, "I knew I should have went with spastic colon." And I was like, "That's a little advanced for a girl that age, right? To go with spastic colon." What is it? I, I'm assuming it's bowel problems. I'm probably what IBS is, but it's probably what they called it then. Back in my day, it was called spastic colon, not IBS. I mean, I think the word spastic has been pretty much written out of history because that was like a sort of term like, like, you know, uh, handicapped isn't used anymore. Like spastic was a word or like mentally retarded isn't a word. Well, I think calling people calling someone a spaz was more of a thing. Yeah, no, but spastic like itself was like a, a proper term, like especially in England, you were like, yeah. oh, he's a spastic wasn't like a derogatory term, like yeah. lame they used to use. Right. But no. my yeah, my best guess is it's some sort of a bowel issue. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine. 
He should have just said, Dad, I have watery shits. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's <laughs> quite how they were doing things with 90 sitcoms at the time. But, <laughs> I don't um, know if TJF would. <laughs> that might have to bump it to the 10 o'clock hour. I can imagine that did not go well with her and Urkel dating. <laughs> Al, let's have sex. <laughs> oh, the children. They were teenagers, I imagine, when they dated for this story, and they were over 18, so we're not weird. They were not over 18, but uh, yeah, moving weren't. on before we go down a dark road here. I mean, to be fair, I am having a heart attack already with this episode because it is 30 minutes of step-siblings, and I don't know how I'm going to make <laughs> it through. Uh, so, so um, anyways, uh, after this little uh, exchange between the father and Al, they all head out to go to school. There's a quick little gag where uh, the youngest son, Brendan, goes to grab his backpack and just knocks a ton of shit onto the floor, furthering how messy it is there. And from there, we get to a new establishing shot of a much larger house. And this has a like a title card over it that just reads her house. So now, like to go back to the intro, it's made to look like it's already one big happy family. So now we're kind of figuring out where this is all going, right? I think it's the intro tells you enough about where they end up. So I guess this is just you kind of know this is the, the, the origin story. God, I can't shake the Brady Bunch thing since you brought it up. It didn't even occur to me. It, yeah, I mean, I really just think that's what they were going for as a modern day Brady Bunch in a way. I, I think it'll be interesting when we do get around to the Brady Bunch, because I think we will at some point. Oh, uh, I would say for to sure. See, to see for if sure. this kind of lines up with that, because I, you already said it, that you get dumped. I remember the show already dumped into the middle of this. I don't remember there being an episode where this kind of came together yeah i don't remember the one day when the lady met the fellow (laughs) (laughs) well i will say just off top of mind right like in the brady bunch the dad is an architect in step by step he's a contractor it's the blended families the house has a big staircase it's used a lot for people coming down for scene stuff uh there's a crazy maid in that in this there's a crazy sister like it i feel like they're definitely trying to hit a few different marks definitely feels like that was the intention whether or not that was like the goal of the production group i I, how do you not draw those comparisons it's funny though because i didn't until you said it (laughs) and now it's all i can think about yeah and uh so when we do get inside this house it's again we're seeing the three kids sitting in the kitchen so they're kind of mirroring the situations only this time it's uh two daughters and one son and the boy is worrying if his science project is good enough and the oldest sister tells him that she doubts that any of the other fourth graders are doing anything with genetic research so you're seeing a very big contrast from um the Lambert house to the Foster house. The Foster house is um Carol, the mother's uh children, is that's their name. I would just like to say that their kitchen is what I would describe as aggressively blue. Like yeah. it yes. is painfully aggressively blue. Like nobody would say like everything, every single thing you see, same color across the fucking board yeah. it's fucking crazy i mean we think of that scene in um weird science when the magic yes. is all going crazy and the kitchen just flashes and turns blue exactly what i thought of <laughs> oh i'm eating flies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't think of too many situations where you'd want to match your cabinets to the wall color like it's, a- it's dizzying yeah it's yeah. weird and like I, we just painted our kitchen cabinets recently and you paint the wall a different color. That's a very important step to what you're doing. Well, I will say that the kitchen looked big. Well, it's gigantic. I mean, we it's talked about... Kitchen. But, I mean, I think that the the, the same color paint kind of just makes that look bigger. That's just my opinion. Well, I think it really it's also just gigantic. No, it's gigantic. It's deeper than you think. Yeah, and then it turns into a salon. 
<laughs> so maybe maybe that maybe that's an extension like that whole like the kitchen onto the thing is it's like a whole extension that's why it's so big it's just one of those you know like i said earlier uh frank's house seems a little more realistic very messy but you know we only really saw the kitchen but you know modest size makes sense then you go here and it's like a palace you see how big the house is from the establishing shot later we get into the living room and we see the extension in a minute where she works and it's just a gigantic piece of property that she has a little less realistic it's strange they never bring up at least on this and i don't have much knowledge about it for the rest of the show what happened to each of their spouses yeah they don't touch on it and i don't remember if they ever do to be honest one thing i noticed too if we're talking about their house real quick this is a very sitcom thing that i've never seen in real life but i especially now doing this show i always notice it's the weird alcove in the living room like full house has the alcove then the early seasons is joey's bedroom which seems weird uh reba alcove that is a dining room this show alcove that is a dining room it's like i've never seen i've been in a million houses in my life i've never seen one in real life that has that but on sitcoms it's all the time i also just like saying alcove yeah. <laughs> you think do you think al hangs out there and she calls <laughs> it her alcove it's al's cove <laughs> i don't know why she's an old smoker when i do her voice but it's al's cove i promise it's like a quit. fucking seafood restaurant welcome to al's cove <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, it's that generic television sitcom layout. From the left, it's that living room. To the right is always right where the kitchen is. There's the upstairs where you can access from either the living room or the kitchen. Um, It's very typical sitcom, especially 90s sitcom. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but I was going to say, it's got to be a big house considering how big that fucking kitchen table is. Like, it, it was like a large, like, manor, like, table. That can had to, fit. It had to fill that big-ass kitchen. Carol was preparing herself just in case she ever met a man that also had three children, and they all had to move in. <laughs> they basically have Michael Keaton's Batman table. Where it's like, <laughs> you pass the salt. Soup, like, that's like soup's good. <laughs> Not to jump ahead, but that's a big house. For our listeners out there, if you want to start a drinking game for our show, it should probably be when any one of us says not to jump ahead because you will be wasted by how often we say it. Also, uh, every time we say, like, not to get too off topic. And And moving every time that we're like, and then (laughs) she was stuck under the bed. (laughs) And you do a shot every time Pooh's brought up. And in any event, um, as all this is happening, there's also the third child who's just sitting there detached from this conversation about the science project. Uh, because she's concerned about a zit, which uh, hasn't even appeared yet, but she knows is coming. Um, I had a huge crush on that one when I was young. Uh, my crush was actually on Al. So. Yeah, me too. I liked the angry mean one from My Two Dads. You stand outside a window blasting, you can call me Al. <laughs> Just <laughs> call me Al. <laughs> I love the idea of trying to woo a girl even then with Paul Simon. It makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, as far as like crushes from this show to not you know, to not to jump ahead, but uh, it would have for sure been Al. And then later on, much deeper into the show, JT gets a girlfriend. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your crush was JT later. No, then, I, yeah, then I had a crush on JT. No, but uh, he had a girlfriend, like who was like a mechanic or whatever, who came along in like later seasons. Big thing for her. Oh, she Forget was like name. when Zach's girlfriend in the later episode of Save by, later seasons of Saved by the Bell, who was like the motorcycle mechanic. It was like they're trying to introduce like a different rough hewn character. Oh, type what of girl. was her name? No, I wanted matter. to say like Sam, but I think it's wrong. Casey? No. Are you talking about name. Saved by the Bell or on yeah, Step by Step? Saved by the Bell. Uh, I think it was like Alex or something. I don't remember. Mechanic-y. 
Yeah, no, I know exactly who you're talking about, but I don't remember her name. And we'll yeah. touch on that when we Alex? talk about, well, anyways, <laughs> before we spend <laughs> some more time, we'll talk about Saved by the Bell in the near future. So uh, we'll get into it then. But um, in any event, uh, then the aunt walks in and asks where their mother is because she has a client due in five minutes. And when they tell her she's running late, the aunt replies with, how can she work in her own house and be late? Which, Tori. Great point. Tori Scott. Tori. Tori's the one, yeah. It would have bothered me the whole show. Don't get angry. Okay. Now, can we talk for a minute about uh, the sister coming in, Aunt Penny? Yes. Now, uh, Patrika Darbo is her name. I think she's probably familiar to a lot of people because she's one of those 90s actors who was just in movies and TV shows all the time. But the main thing, and this is just a weird aside, but the main thing I, thing I always think of her is, have you guys ever seen the movie In the Line of Fire? It's the Clint Eastwood, John Malkovich movie where John Malkovich is trying to assassinate the president. I'm familiar with it, but I don't remember. I remember the name. Yeah, it's really, I I love that movie. It's one of those stupid, like, it's always on HBO and I've just watched it like a thousand times in my life. But there's a scene where she plays this like a bank, like a bank teller. And he, like, tries to flirt with her just so she'll leave him alone, but she asks too many questions. So she, like, there's a scene where he just shows up at her house and just brutally (laughs) murders her, her dog, and her roommate. And the camera just pans off and you just hear, like, (laughs) while John Malkovich is, like, grunting and murdering her. And I haven't seen this episode of the show in, like, 20 years. And it, like, totally took me out while I was watching when she walked in. I was like, oh, no, don't open the door. John Malkovich is coming. It's so bad. So I watched this on HBO Max. And you pick it. It says S1E1 pilot. And it's just her face going, like, <laughs> like she's making a goof. And I'm like, I told you I don't remember the character, like, at all. I'm like, is this the right show? Is there another step by step? Am I like, at the wrong party? Like, <laughs> uh, send me a screen cap of that. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once, um, once uh, Aunt walks back out, down rushes their mom, who's Suzanne Summers, um, who plays Carol Foster. Um, she's best known at this point from Three's Company, just like um, Patrick Duffy, the counterpart, best known from Dallas before the show. Although I will say she's also best known for those thigh master commercials that played incessantly when we were kids. Yeah, I guess in between. Yeah, she was very nice. I can that do this all day. Those commercials. <laughs> question. Stupid question. Mark Summers from Nickelodeon. Husband or brother or no relation? Probably no relation. I think, I think neither. I don't think any relation. They probably both have stage names. I bet neither of them is last name Summer. I don't know. They kind of look similar. I don't know that for a fact, though. Just, you think I'm Mark Summers and Suzanne Summers look similar? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Look at the. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want to fuck them both equally, so I guess it makes sense. Um, I would like to watch a sitcom, though, called Summers to Summers. Sure. Somerset? <laughs> Indian Summers, where they live in Indian Queens, England? We, we can brainstorm this all day long. We can find yeah, no, a way we'll, to pitch this. Yeah, let's table that one. <laughs> okay. And uh, so uh, she rushes downstairs, and she knows she's running late. And the oldest daughter tells her, Mom, you're a hairdresser, not a heart surgeon. Get uh, some perspective. And this is um, the oldest daughter, Dana. She's had a couple one-liners at this point. I guess it's her role to be the sarcastic one. And they, they really kind of drive that in. 
It's weird too. I don't know if you guys have ever had a haircut before 11 a.m. before, but they're getting ready for school, which means these are like 7.30 in the morning haircuts, which is like if you're going to do, I mean, I don't know what these people in the salon are getting done. I know there are some hair procedures that can take like a whole day, but like 7.30 seems early just to be no, like. No, I used to get haircuts early in the morning all the time. Look at the clientele, yeah. though. They're all elderly. Old people are up super early. I guess that's true. I mean, it depends on your work schedule, right? <laughs> so you got to make it work for whatever your schedule is. So some people who might have like a nine to five will try to get their haircut before they go to work. I'd just rather go on a Saturday and sleep in. For me, sleeping in is like 745. So I'd actually be up when the haircut appointment was, but I'd rather have the five minutes. But if everybody shared the same sentiment as you, then everyone would be getting a haircut on Saturday and they'd fill up and you'd have to find another time to go. Well, I got nothing now. I would open up a whole <laughs> bunch of 745 weekdays. Uh, by the way, Suzanne Summers and Mark Summers, not a, not related. No way. Uh, he actually took the stage name because he liked... Uh, Told you it was a stage name. His last name was Winters and he thought it wasn't good enough. <laughs> you got to change your name. And then, uh, so I guess it was a DJ. He liked a DJ and his name was Dick Summer. So he, he just <laughs> took the name and put an S on it. What was his original last name? Balls Winter. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what can I change this to? I need something completely the opposite. <laughs> I think it's funnier that it's over having the first name Boss other than Boss Mahoney. It's a family name, okay? No McFunny. Moving on. So in any event, yeah, the, the mother walks through the door um, from the side of the kitchen, and that's when it's revealed that the salon is attached to the house, which is like a pretty nice-looking salon. It didn't look like a little side hustle business. It was like a fully established salon <laughs> attached to the house. So when they do the, the exterior shot of this, you know what this house is? This is a funeral home. This house like is like one. an old funeral home. If you look at the exterior shot of the house, they have that weird little like funeral home, like alcove thing extension that like people drive up and they bring the, the casket outside. There's no way that you would have that much space and it not be at some point a funeral home. So what you're saying is that the conversion to a salon was not a very big undertaking. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> You could say that they didn't have to formaldehyde anything. <laughs> that was quick, at least. <laughs> yeah. That's We're going to give him anything for that one. But uh, yeah, and then also um, the salon was clearly a family run business because her mother and sister both worked there as well. I think at this point, and I don't think at any point of the episode do we establish if they live in the house with her. So two things to pull up. The mother, like I mentioned earlier, is only on one season, but she then becomes the mother on Grace Under Fire for the entirety of that show, like a year later. So we'll oh, see her yeah, again yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's where I recognized her from. But also, here's a quick question. So we find out that Frank gets his haircut from uh, Suzanne Summers, right? Do we think that possibly they met because he was the contractor who turned her garage into the salon? Or he was the one that converted it from the funeral home to a salon? Or he got a haircut and said, well, check out this bimbo. Later on, we establish how long they've known each other. So I would say no, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, oh, yeah. they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. they do. All yeah. Right. And uh, when, so anyways, when she gets inside, they immediately, by that, I mean, the mother and sister start asking how Jamaica was. So apparently Carol just went on a trip recently and she's very clearly dancing around the details of the trip, which immediately makes the two of them arrive at the idea that she met a man while she was out there. 
and she they keep trying to like press her and she's just avoiding it and denying that she met a guy at all and uh peggy says why can't she ever meet a man and how desperately she needs one and no sooner does she say that frank walks in and peggy like looks up and thanks god (laughs) (laughs) old horny peggy i was gonna say so she went on a vacation and they think that she met some long-term dude. She wasn't just going in and 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 pounding the pavement, so to speak, down well, there. Like you don't go down on to Jamaica on vacation and like meet this long-term relationship, or at least have that expectation. Well, anyway. they didn't say that. All they really said was you met a guy, which could have just meant that no, there no. was a fling. That's all they said. You met a man yeah. while you were there. Yeah, they didn't so, say like, and you brought him home, or no, because I think the idea of well, what we find out to be the case later is a little unexpected, but in theory, the idea of going to Jamaica and finding someone local is very um, unimaginable. So it, I think they just thought she kind of <laughs> met, uh, had a little fling while she was there. That's how I if she it. came home with Sanka from uh, Cool Runnings. <laughs> you dead man. <laughs> it's like, it's so cold in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could have gone to hedonism. <laughs> They could have. Right? Like, maybe they expected her. Maybe they think she lied, right? Like, oh, she said she went to sandals and she went to hedonism, which is the, like, no clothes sandals, right? So, like, at that point, you're probably not meeting somebody for the long term. Right. Well, I I was kind of under the impression that, in general, they just asking if she met a guy didn't necessarily mean there was any weight of seriousness to it. That's how I took it. I also think it's strange they both went on vacation without their kids. And that's something people do. Like, I've taken trips with you guys without my son. I was going to say, I was on a trip with you, like, two weeks ago. Like a week ago. <laughs> but she did, they each went alone. She didn't go with girlfriends or anything. She right. went on a trip to Jamaica by herself. And that was just strange to me. I think this show in general has a lot of plot holes. There's a lot of unexplained <laughs> things. Even as early as like when I said in the beginning of the episode with Frank and his kids, we don't know if the kids were in the house or out of the house because he says conflicting things in that like quick minute of dialogue. It should have been she was supposed to get married and her hubby left her at the altar. So she went on the uh, honeymoon anyway. What a wacky idea. But I feel like if that's the case, you have to find a way for him to go without just abandoning his kids, too. Right. Now they've already established she's not responsible. True. I guess that's true, yeah. And they do pretty pitch, pitch bit, 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 they do pitch pretty hard that one's responsible, one isn't. So you could ride that through. It's almost right. like they're an odd couple. To bring another <laughs> parallel to another show. I didn't get a lot of odd couple vibes watching <laughs> <laughs> this one. Except for the serial part. But um, when Frank shows up, he informs Peggy that he He's there to see Carol. Carol offers him uh, coffee before they get started with the haircut, which I don't know, is it too common of a practice? But I guess when your house is attached to the salon, why not? See, this is weird to me too, though, because I feel like you'd have a coffee, either you'd have a coffee maker in the salon part, or you'd go in and bring coffee out to the person. Bringing somebody into your kitchen feels like crossing a weird line. Well, a lot of lines were crossed, Joe. (laughs) That's true. Considering the, you know, the outcome, it makes sense. So she offers him a coffee. He offers to help her with that. They head into the kitchen area together, leaving the salon. As soon as the door shuts, they start making out immediately. So hold on. If you say, I'm going to go get you a coffee and you say, I'm going to go help. Nobody else there wasn't like, yo, you're going to be going laying pipe down there. Like, don't be laying pipe. You got people. And no, where is your brain for half of this? I don't think it's that odd for him to just be like, yeah, I'll help oh, you get the well, coffee oh, here. Stranger. Let me just go into your house and help you help me get me some coffee. Hey, you're laying pipe. He's not a stranger. B, he's a carpenter, not a plumber. So he would not be laying pipe. 
<laughs> they know who he is. They all know him. They just don't know the the extent of the this relationship between them. Yeah. I also get that this is a fairly small town and everybody knows everybody to a degree. And he's a client of or like a long term client because when he walks in, Penny's like, oh, hey, Frank. Three months. Three months is not an establishing thing that you go in and help because prior he never went and helped her make coffee. So, yeah. I think you're reading it for we read into stuff too deep. I think you are severely overthinking this specific aspect. It wouldn't throw me, but I also get my haircut from a friend right. who owns a salon. So he's like, want to come get coffee with me? I wouldn't be like, people are going to think we're making out now. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Even though you are making out. I mean, obviously, how do you think I pay for the haircuts? What I thought was weird is now as they are making out, they pause for a second and she tells him that she wants a divorce. And, I, you know, so you think that the next line is going to be like from her current husband, not from him, because obviously the mother and sister would recognize if she was married and that was her husband who just walked in the door. And then he mentions that, you know, we've only been married for 36 hours. I've had dates that have gone on longer than that. So um, apparently, you know, as we find out, they got married in Jamaica. And they just got married. So if they've been married for 36 hours to fly from Jamaica to Wisconsin with certainly at least one layover, because there's no direct flight that goes from Wisconsin to Jamaica, means that they like woke up one morning, had coffee, had some egos, got married, and then like screwed to the airport to go home. Like that doesn't make any sense. If they were like, we've been married for 72 hours, you'd be like, oh, they got married, had like one passionate night and then flew home. 36 hours is cutting it very very close it was like the last night of the trip yeah something yeah something about that's not right it's like they got married by like a deacon on the plane or something no they had to have gotten drunk early and then spent most of the trip together they don't tell you how long the trip was the marriage itself had been at the tail end of the trip i don't get the impression that they're drunks though they mentioned like sexy pink drinks. I imagine they were like a little okay. buzzed. Okay. All there right. was an impulsive drink. It's like the typical Vegas wedding thing. It's it's one of those. I was going to say, wouldn't it make more sense that they went to Vegas instead of Jamaica? Because I didn't know Jamaica did that. Not necessarily. I just think it was, again, it was an impulsive thing because she goes on to say, you know, she doesn't know why she acted so impulsively. And then she starts reflecting and thought maybe it was the magic of the islands or the moonlit nights. She just saw Duffy and she was like, Ooh, I'm gonna marry that. I mean, to be fair, obviously, 1991 Patrick Duffy and, you know, conversely, 1991 Suzanne Summers, everybody's going, okay, sure. But as she's reflecting on all this stuff, like I was saying, um, and then also the pink drinks that were mentioned and, uh, she, she's kind of getting lost in the romance of that whole situation again. And then, you know, horny Frank replies with, you know, for me, it was that little teeny bikini. And then they just start to make out again. And this continues with her saying that, you know, she's afraid that their relationship is purely sexual. And he replies with, well, we can build on that. So <laughs> it's like this whole thing is kind of like he's so lost in being attracted to her. And this situation is crazy. And she's starting to come down from that, like high of the trip. But he is just so horned out. He does not want to like lose this situation at he- all is definitely horned out and you could maybe make the claim that they got married quote-unquote in jamaica does that really technically apply in the united states like if she wanted to she could just be like it's not legally recognized here it's weird she wants a divorce and not an annulment yeah i think these are again this is an establishing episode but i think this is like these are like little nitpicky things that yeah i think you know again we're we're 
our show we overanalyze and kind of look into this stuff but yes should she have said annulment should it have been on the state side but i feel like saying divorce is like saying coke right an annulment is like saying tab right like people everywhere are gonna know what a divorce means you might get some people who are like what's an annulment and then you lose them right yeah that's a good point no that's that's fair and tab is gross and so are annulments it, it, it is my grandmother used to drink that shit <laughs> it's gross it's fucking disgusting she used to put fucking napkins in it save it for later Flat oh tab. no Flat tab even worse <laughs> no nah, i like a good moxie oh, oh God. you pick you pick the one drink worse than tab <laughs> <laughs> i would take a tab over a moxie any day i would too uh anyways when you know they continue to talk she says you know she doesn't even really know him and that's when he says as we referred to earlier no you've been cutting my hair for three months now it's like well okay three i mean even you've only known the person three months forget a relationship of three months and carol continues on with you know the whole fantasy of it all and how them randomly finding each other in jamaica was so like romantic and this is when frank tells her that it wasn't as much of a coincidence as she may believe and he actually talked to her travel agent got all the details of where she was going when what flight she was going to be on and followed her there and like what the fuck <laughs> you know what's really funny and comedical that's not even a word but comedical. that's not a word but go ahead <laughs> um stalking yeah that's totally something to to make a make a funny haha like i totally stalked you internationally you could get like hit by like interpol 90s or early 80s <laughs> late 80s <laughs> No, I think Ferg's right on this one. It's the 90s, right? Like, this is the kind of thing where now you have a, you have a great point. We look at this and go like, this is fucking creepy, man. This but is like a dark comedy on like, Netflix, yeah. It's weird and kind of romantic that he followed her. But in yeah, when we think about it now, it's like, that's so weird. The thing is, I think it's written to be creepy, even in context of the show. And the joke is that she found it romantic. Well, you're expected to be like, oh, she's going to freak out. She goes, that is so romantic. Like, What's even worse, what's even worse about it is he's being creepy while they're together, too, being like, no, baby, it's okay. We'll learn to, like, love each other and stuff. Like, what a weird fucking thing. Listen, he's a, well, he's a single dad with three kids. You fucking meet a, you meet, you meet a fucking girl then. Oh, I, by the way, I have three kids. Bye. Like. He probably hasn't banged anyone in like since his wife died. I assume his <laughs> wife is dead. So at least she's dead to him. He 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 found fucking Suzanne Summers. He's like, I'm making this work. What I want to see is the deleted scene where he says, "How did you find all this out?" He's like, "I asked your assistant Vel. I asked your flight. Uh, what do you call her? Uh, Velma. Travel agent Velma." Right, we're like, is there a dark scene where he's getting Velma tied up, and he's like, "Tell me where she went, or I kill the dog." He's like, Tell her, please. Tell her to make good. Oh, it's that Velma. Okay. Please. Don't tell them anything. They're they they're talking. What he's saying right now is extremely creepy, and I think it's being overlooked. Not really overlooked. We're, we're addressing it, but the, the weight of what he did was so strange and, and should be so off-putting. And the fact that she finds it endearing and romantic maybe speaks volumes to how lonely she is. My jaw well. dropped. I was like, what? Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> That's a weird reveal. Yeah. 
Actually, it's not a funny story. I like asked your travel agent. Uh, also, uh, she should be fired. Velma should be fired immediately for that. You can't give away everyone's travel information That's a breach. like that. It's a bit of a breach. Right? Well, not only that, but like, first of all, how creepy is it that you knew who your travel agent was? So like this dude has been stalking her for like uh, a good while. No, you talk to your barber when you're getting a haircut. She probably made oh, some yeah, small I'm going talk. Away. I think we're also under the impression it's a very small town. And there's one travel agent. Velma. Velma. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not I, I think, no. <laughs> I think uh, in reality, yeah, he's sitting there. He's been he's been getting his hair cut for the last three months. He probably keeps an ear out, so not even when they're talking directly. She's walking around. She's talking to her sister or whatever about the trip. He's he's kind of eavesdropping, like catching little details here and there. Yeah, make it way creepier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's listening in. <laughs> Look at the giant peewee ear. <laughs> <laughs> listening to Velma. Maybe he's, uh, you know, rigged something up. I imagine, though, it's just the gossip around town, right? We all grew up in a very small town, and we were kids when this show came out. I think if somebody mentioned something at the coffee shop, the school, one of the hair salons, like, it circled around, right? We just didn't realize it because we were kids. I think that just, like, word gets around. If someone's leaving a small town to go someplace exotic like Jamaica in 1991, it's probably, like, an interesting topic of conversation. Especially if they're leaving their three children home alone no 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 no. the three kids for her have the sister and the yeah, mom. sister and mother okay. are right there right. she's responsible it's it's sexy patrick duffy who fucked this all up yeah that's that's kind of the the big question marks is with him yeah so he he fucking left his children stalked her went there got her drunk married Whoa, her. hold on, hold on. You're, you're making some reaches now we've we've already covered all- no i i've heard enough to believe that at this point. I, yeah, I don't know if we can just say he got her drunk. I think they were on a trip. I think we, there's a point where we can acknowledge that what he did was extremely creepy, but I don't think we should assume above and beyond that to a super weird level. I, I think it is, it's what creepy the- on its own right without us having to take any leaps. I will say I'm a little sad though that Patrick Tuffy came back. He didn't have like a little bead with the Jamaican flag in the back <laughs> of his ear like Michael Scott. <laughs> just like, yeah, like the, the one, the one uh, strand. So she keeps flashing back and trying to be logical about how all of this is going. And again, horny Frank just keeps trying to justify everything. And she, you know, (laughs) she's like, none of, none of our kids even have met. How does this even work? And Frank's like, okay, the best plan now is to just get all the kids to meet and then we'll start to date for a while and then get engaged. And after an acceptable amount of time, get married all while being married the whole time secretly. And then he goes, what, like two, three days. (laughs) And then it just kind of, there's that like fade out shot of him giving her a hug, but she looks nervous and confused. I mean, it's a bad idea, right? (laughs) All in all, I mean, like, look, probably don't lie to your kids that much, I guess, is probably a safe bet. But also, oh, Joe, you always, you you gotta lie to your kids. (laughs) No, I mean, lying to your kids is probably important in some some ways. But this is a tiny town. Like, do they think this is not gonna get out? I feel like it's gonna be way worse of a scenario when Frank tells somebody at the coffee shop and then it gets out to one of the kids because their parents were, you know, like, it's, it's gonna be a telephone game. This is one of those towns where, like, every marriage is documented in the town paper. Well, if they're married there, you have to, you have to submit that stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, because I didn't think it was strange that he went and helped her with the coffee. I would say maybe a little strange that the mother and sister didn't find it odd that they just didn't come back. <laughs> they were maybe gone that, for 10 minutes. That might have been the weird part. There should have been a scene where, instead of ending where it did, open the door and they're both listening at the door or something like that. Yeah, maybe something like that. Well, maybe they went in there and it turns out that Frank had taken the coffee pot off while the coffee wasn't all the way done brewing yet and she murdered him like a reasonable adult would do. <laughs> 
Uh, from this scene, we get to, it's like the following day, and now the Lamberts are driving over to the Foster's house for a barbecue. And when they get to the door, Carolyn, two of the kids are there to greet her, to greet them. And she's so nervous, she even, like, messes up her own son's name when introducing them. That's a callback to earlier, when the two of them are in the kitchen, because he says the name wrong first. Correct. They, yeah, I love that they called that back. I thought that was actually a nice little touch, because Frank corrects them. Yes, and uh, Al, who's Frank's daughter, even calls Carol out on how nervous she's acting in this moment. And now Dana, who's the oldest daughter of Carol heads down the stairs and immediately recognizes JT, who apparently put a dead rat in her locker at school. No, he put a live rat in her. Well, right. Well, that's what (laughs) she accuses of. JT replies by saying, the rat was alive when I put him in there. Your gym socks must have killed him. (laughs) Zing. And I'm like, not only am I confused as to why Horny Frank isn't mad about this, but how is he not even aware of this? Like, the school didn't call after this happened? This is like a serious type of yeah. thing. This is prank 90s, man. We watched, I mean, think of a show like Parker Lewis Can't Lose, right? Or something like that around the same time that was just what? about. Do you guys not remember Parker Lewis Can't Lose? I don't no. remember it either, but I, oh, I figured Christ. he would call you okay. up first. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay, Save by the Bell. Think of a darker Save by the Bell, a more realistic Save by the Bell where everything wasn't like a crazy. Oh, the Darker version. Saved by the hell. I'm just saying that 30 years ago, they that's the kind of thing where it's like, kids are being kids. Yeah. But I found it a little strange that, yeah, Frank didn't even really know about this. Usually the, the school at least give a call. But um, yeah, so anyways, yeah, horny Frank doesn't even seem to care because he just is trying to get, you know, let's blow past this story. And, the, you know, he just goes like, great. So you two already know each other. And um, he just sends everyone off. Like, let, let's get to this barbecue. I know that she calls him Rat Boy, too, which I immediately thought of The Simpsons. There's like a few Simpsons moments in this but i do you know, who could forget dear rat, rat boy, boy. bart stopped knocking on the drywall <laughs> which he called him rat boy i had like two or three minutes where i was like oh fuck this is all i'm gonna think about all night now and then uh we we cut to the backyard where this barbecue's underway and peggy who's carol's sister is admiring al's necklace um and then she tells her that she didn't steal it and that her dad got it for her in jamaica and then as she walks off peggy's like jamaica so now she realizes that they were both there at the same time and to go back, I know this whole scene was just a device to kind of get to Peggy finding out Frank was in Jamaica. But I think it's important to note that the necklace that she has on, she is not wearing right before that when they get to the house. <laughs> Continuity issue. Like, how do you not, like, if you know that the next scene is going to focus on the fact that she has this necklace on, why is she not wearing it when she walks maybe, in the door? Maybe it was tucked in. It's too thick. Hear me out, because she didn't put on the necklace beforehand. That's why they accuse her of stealing it. Maybe. Mm, think about it. But no one accused her of stealing it. It was just Al jumping to conclusions because I think she's... Yeah, she's supposed to be the troublemaker. Yeah, she's the like a little bit... One. Yeah, so so she's just always on the defense. So I want to say this, though. Um, they didn't... I get they had... The, they didn't want them to know that they got married... But they could have kept with the truth is, oh, we met in Jamaica. It was a crazy coincidence. And we we're got to become, and that's why we're friendly now. So we got to, we, yeah, we got to be friends while we're out there because we saw each other. Yeah. That's we're why we're easier. dating now. Like Jamaica anything. is a, 
it's not one town, right? Like you, they could each have been in Jamaica, been like, oh, well, we went to the one main airport. We had a flight together. We met in Kingston. We were, well, okay. not even that. We had seats next to each other on the plane home. We were chatting and now we're friends. There's nothing sexual here, but we had a 12 hour flight together. Right. We thought, hey, we've got kids who are the same age. Let's have a barbecue. Like that's an easy lie. Yeah. And they just stay, they fudge it. But horn dog go over there, but all he can think about is Suzanne Summers in that teeny bikini. So he needs to go and. The thing is, they could have told the full truth sans the marriage. They could have told everything. Yeah. Yes. No, well, I, exactly. you know, leave out I the think... stalking, but <laughs> the rest of the truth. We've covered all types of different shows. And I think when we do these kind of older, more classic family style sitcoms, they're the ones that you can pick apart the most when you really go over the details because they really are just trying to drive in a basic point. Let's get you from A to B. And some of these little details that we're covering now don't make sense. And it definitely happens with these types of shows more than oh, some of yeah. these more established shows that are a little bit more cinematic. You don't question shit in the 90s. You were just busy being rad. Exactly. That's <laughs> true. I was busy ripping ripping bongs in skate parks all day long <laughs> in 1991. But it's, I mean, again, look, I think that nothing should be made to hold up to scrutiny or thought of that way when it wasn't right like there wasn't on-demand playing we talked about this all the time nobody thought people were going to watch a tv show like this under a fucking microscope you know what i mean it was just establish everything make people laugh and be out in 24 minutes minus the theme song yeah i mean i never even saw this episode so maybe they figured hey no one will even see this <laughs> that's a great point actually because pilots oftentimes aren't even seen right they're just like or they're shown in the middle of the summer or in sweeps weeks and then you don't hear about it you see a commercial for a show when you start watching it right i never saw the first episode of seinfeld before other episodes of seinfeld you sort of like work your way into the yeah yeah a lot of times show. uh the pilot will get aired but the pilot and then episode two are like filmed with a big gap in between them because the pilot comes out they retool a little bit we want more of this less of that especially then- with this because frank is way less horny later in the show He's just like a stereotypical sitcom dad later. Yeah, they definitely like yeah. knocked that down a sorry little bit. Sorry to break rules, but it's what I no, do. But, the, but the, yeah, maybe the network went maybe a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to be a little wholesome here. Keep it in your pants, Duffy. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that was I, his thing that he that maybe that was his one clause from Dallas. Be like, I get to play the horny dad. He's like, I want to be in a sitcom, but I want to be dripping with cum the entire time. And they're like, fuck it, Patrick. Oh you boy. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Am I uh, wrong though? Yes, I think so. But, I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh moving along. Those BVDs are stiff. Frank and T, uh, JT are talking while grilling some burgers. And he asks his son, you know, what he thinks of Carol. JT tells him that, you know, date her, but don't get involved. And he tells him that, you know, you could do better than that bimbo. And I want to talk about the fire that's also happening because they have this like little charcoal grill that he just squirts actual lighter fluid into that causes like a legitimate actual fire. And we've talked about this in uh, past episodes, like when we did thanks over Thanksgiving, you again in today's world would not have an actual fire like that. You would not allow Uh, be CG'd in. You would not allow an actor to squirt actual like lighter fluid into a fire to make it rise up like that. Dallas Claus. Listen, man, <laughs> Patrick Duffy is. I want to be dripping with cum, and I want fire everywhere. It's like okay, Patrick Duffy actually the year before this did try out for the Billy Baldwin role in Backdraft and didn't get it, so he was feeling a little left out and had to do this. I was emasculated after I didn't get the Backdraft role. <laughs> Let me barbecue. They gave it to De Niro. Fuck. <laughs> Give me Suzanne Summers and a bottle of lighter fluid. 
also not to over dissect, but when the burgers were ready, he just dumps like water all over the fire to put them out. And you said they were grilling, and to which I say, no, they were not. <laughs> he was not grilling anything. It goes back to the joke that happens later. It's like, look, we're having ashes for, for dinner. Yeah. Uh, so, but you could just, you know, shut the grill or just pull the burgers off because it would, you know, it would, the fire would eventually go down. I would never dump water all over my burger I before eating it. I don't know how to turn off that kind of grill. It's, it's not like a modern grill. There's no like, it's just... So we had one, we had one of those as a kid growing up. And uh, what you do is you turn th- this little vents on the, on the, so you roof. just cut it off. Like, yeah, you just shut oh, it. And then gotcha. on the sides, there's, there's vents too. And you just shut those and then yeah, you it, shut the, the, the lid. And, and you then you keep usually a little tray under the bottom so that when like the embers fall out yep. from it, they don't catch the ground on fire. And then eventually the rocks just go out. Fire needs oxygen to breathe. Yeah. So, so I put all my candles. I'm so manly. So yeah, you take you take away the oxygen and the fire will eventually go away. Serenity by Ferg. <laughs> and uh so Frank then uh puts the burgers on the table and they are straight up hockey pucks. And Dana goes like you were just saying a second ago, "Oh, look mom, we're having ashes for lunch. They should be used to it cuz they live in a funeral home." <laughs> well, <laughs> speculative. Um but the uh another classic sarcastic Dana line, but I thought the word choice was kind of bad to say we're having ashes cuz I, I, it's still like a, a solid object. I think you should have just said we're having charcoal. Go with the hockey puck thing or say hockey that we're having charcoal. Works. Charcoal works, yeah. Oh, is it Christmas? Because Santa just gave us a bunch of coal. Like Santa Frank just delivered us coal. Like you could, ashes doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't at all. But um, and, and just to pivot real quick, how do you guys take your burgers? Uh, what's your uh, preferred cooking temp there? All my meat is medium rare. Burgers, steaks, everything. I go medium well. I do oh. medium well as well. I'm with you. Oh, come on, guys. I'm medium rare as well, and sometimes I go full rare. And I think we might have had this steak conversation, <laughs> so we might we have said have. the same things. I don't like. I don't. I'll do medium if it's like a good cut of steak. I'll do medium because I like the the still the too juice. much. Mm, still too see, much. I don't. I don't know. I don't like the texture of like rare rare meat. Like I couldn't never do like a blue rare. Gordo, you've you've had kitchen jobs in restaurants. Like you should understand. I understand. That, like, the I flavor is you're depleting the flavor the more you cook it. Not if you do it medium well. Nope. No, it's very nope. much. You're killing it medium no. well. I like medium well. There's a way to do it where there's still pink in the middle. Here's my thing, though, is I will cook things a lot more rare myself than I trust another cook. You know what I mean? Like at a restaurant, I don't want someone to give me a medium rare burger because I don't trust him as much as or her as I much as me like with the grill. I just don't like the juices in a burger. I don't like the juices dripping down in a burger. For a steak, that's fine. For a steak, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, But for a burger, like when you bite into that medium and it's just like juice comes down. No. I'm with Gordo on this we one. The ju- <laughs> no, he's in the juice. You like it a juice? The juice is good. Huh? Unfortunately, we don't have uh, Nick to be the tiebreaker on this debate, but I guess we're we're we're, we're no Nick. There. Nick likes medium rare too. He makes fun of your brother. How he cooks steaks with us all the time. Overcooked steaks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not not to get into that for too long. But what kind but, of know, toppings do you like on your burgers? Uh, uh we've definitely had this. We definitely had this conversation. Right? Yeah, I think maybe the wings episode we've talked about this. I think so. Yeah, le- lettuce, tomato, nope. uh, bacon. Oh um, yeah, bacon. Yeah, yeah bacon. bacon. Of course, lots of bacon. bacon. <laughs> I'm okay, okay with so mayonnaise. We talked about this before. How about this? Yeah. What kind of cheese do you like on your burger, or do you know no, no cheese? It depends on the burger. Yeah. Dep- yeah, it depends on the burger. Depends on the toppings. I I think if it if I was just gonna have a burger with cheese on it with nothing else. 
probably mm-hmm. go with like a cheddar. Cheddar or American for a plain burger. Yeah. I usually go American for most. But American has to be like a deli American, not a like craft singles. No, 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 style. no. It has to be deli American and it has to be actually cut by the people there, not like the ones they prepackaged earlier that day because it makes a difference. There also needs to be enough for me to eat some of the cheese while I'm cooking the burger. A thousand percent, yes. Yeah. I eat more cheese while cooking burgers <laughs> than burgers. It's just like, well, the cheese is here. I'm going to keep taking slices of this. <laughs> so off. growing up, my mom always insisted on having the cheese of the deli sliced thin and she would really stress that so they would slice it unnecessarily thin and then when you bring it out next to a grill and it's a little warmer it just melts it just makes it impossible to, to like peel. rip the pieces apart yeah, yeah now you just have a block of cheese it's like why did you do this <laughs> this is so unnecessary <laughs> the butcher's is like oh, we gotta <laughs> yeah she'll, she'll say can you please slice it thin and then put two to three slices on the burger because it's so thin it's like you've defeated the purpose completely you can always tell the pro at the deli counter is the one when you order a um, pound of cheese they make a pyramid where they go up, bigger chunk, and then down. Because then you can always peel it no matter what. When somebody yeah. gives you a pound of cheese and it's all that big and it's like June or something and you're like, I'm going to walk this to the car by the time you get home. That's, yeah, it's always one big chunk and it's like a total nightmare. I understand that it should be very obvious because you're doing literally the same thing all day, every day. But whenever I watch like the person at the deli not have to weigh it and just knows exactly how much like the pound is. Oh yeah, like, that's three quarters. They yeah. move on. Yeah, I, I mean, when, when I used to do that, like, make sandwiches and shit, like, you just get a feel for how much, like, an ounce is, how much is this. Uh, but to get to your point, I like Swiss. Swiss is a good, um, and blue cheese, too. Like, blue cheese crumbles. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't do blue cheese. It, it makes me, like, sick immediately. Other than the ones I named, the only other cheese I've really put on burger would be pepper jack. Pepper jack. I do good. like Gouda's good, too, because it's smoky. You would say that it's Gouda. <laughs> We're not going to talk about Fremunda cheese, right? Nope. No. So uh, so anyways, after a little bit of dialogue between Carol's mother and sister, she calls everybody over because it's time to eat. And we hear a scream from Karen, who's the middle child of Carol, the brunette one, who the self-centered one. We haven't talked about her much because she hasn't really said much. And she just talked about her zit the entire yes. episode. And, um, and she comes over to inform her mom that Frank's daughter, Elle, who she calls a little midget, did... Uh, <laughs> Got ketchup all over her dress. 90s. When Carol's like trying to like see it, it's like an insignificant, if anything, there. And she shows her like this maybe minuscule dot on her dress that we as the viewer can't see. And it seems like Carol can't even spot it. But um, Karen is having a fit over it. Al tells her that it was an accident. And if she meant to get ketchup all over her, she would have done this and then legitimately squirts ketchup all over her. They have a Zoolander level ketchup fight in this scene yeah. I love. And then you kind of get um this back and forth now. And then Dana defends her sister and says, stop it, you little criminal. JT responds, but, you know, don't call my sister a criminal jerk face. And then takes the ketchup and now squirts Dana. And to go back, I want to mention how much I love the term jerk face. Uh, a bunch of step siblings saying jerk face at each other right now. I was having a sweat drop. but oh boy i just want to point out that this show each kid like they have every stereotype of a sitcom kid ever they got their nerd they have the superficial one the the witty one the angsty one 
the gross one because the other little kid is like the gross kid. They just they they covered every stone because there's six of them. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And they kind of overdid it with them a little bit too because there there were points where I want to say what like Dana. You just, every time she was about to speak, you knew it was going to be just something sarcastic, and it was it's very, fine, very but, Chandler. Yeah, it's like one. enough. Like you can be normal once in a while. You don't have to just speak in one-liners. But in any event, um, this results in a full-on food fight, right? And the parents are making a very half-assed attempt to stop any of this, and food's flying everywhere. And that's when Peggy, the uh, aunt, says. I bet you two wish you were still both back in Jamaica um, before taking a bite of her hockey puck burger. And it was like so odd the way it happened because like it was like, like I said, chaos with the food fight and the parents kind of trying to stop them, but they can't because they're trying to shoot the food fight. So they need, a, you know, they can't be too forceful because it has to keep going. So they just have to be like, hey, stop. But that aunt is just like in a moment of bliss about to eat. <laughs> she's about to eat her burger. So I think she's just so excited. The worst <laughs> burger in the world, dude. Yeah. And she just casually says this line, like almost to herself. She doesn't say it loud enough considering the chaos, but it stopped absolutely everything that was going on because now everyone knows that the two of them were in Jamaica together. Real record scratch moment. Yeah, this is a very record scratch moment. It's a, good, it's a great point. And like, I don't know. I feel like the mom could have told the actual truth because they did. She like did say we booked, you know, we went there separately, but she could have been a little more honest in this moment, but she came no, off your super guilty. Creep. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Frank followed me. A big horny bird. <laughs> but even yeah. then it was like, like from Carol, from Carol's perspective, she legitimately booked a trip to Jamaica by herself without any knowledge that anyone else would be there that she knew. But yet in this moment, she seemed so guilty about the fact that her and Frank were both there, but she could have told the truth, not maybe omit the marriage part, but could have been honest with them and it would have caused way less questions. Yeah, look, I think there's a big problem. We've, we've come up a bunch of times in this episode is just like, they just didn't have to lie so much and this whole thing would be so much easier. And this scene, I think, just points out so much more where it's like, there doesn't need, there wouldn't have to have been such a big reveal if you were just like, hey, fuck, we met, we're dating. We're going to go, you're going to go meet them, be on your best behavior because we're dating, right? Most kids would adhere to the best behavior thing at that point. Yeah. Not a horny Frank's terrible kids. The moral of the story is honesty is the best policy. The more you know. Do-do-do. And then during all this, JT goes, oh, I know why you, you were uh, defending the bimbo earlier. It's because you're already dating her. And Frank's like, you watch your mouth, young man. She is not a bimbo and we're not dating. We're married. And that's when it cuts to the mom and sister who have like this complete shocked like open mouth gasp <laughs> and it just like holds on them more which i thought was weird you probably should have focused on the kids reactions but it just showed the two of them for a while and i'm assuming that's the picture that hbo is using as the um, <laughs> profile picture that ferg saw <laughs> and then it, yeah it, it cuts uh the scene kind of cuts with everyone just looking around at each other because that's the big reveal now everyone knows that they're married it's kind of a crappy reveal you should have said you shouldn't talk to your mother that way could have been like that. I mean, either way, I think the shock was there. They didn't, because he reveals that they're married, but yeah. Yeah, but then what if she was like stepmother? And I was like, oh no, this show's going in a weird direction, right? Like, you can't go there. <laughs> stepmother, what are you doing? There's ketchup all over your clothes. Go take a shower. Okay, stepmother. <laughs> I'd do anything for those concert tickets. 
<laughs> I just feel that he doesn't get mad enough at his son for calling her a bimbo in front right? of her. Even if they weren't married, it's like you were invited to this person's house. You have terrible manners calling her Him a bimbo. Him saying watch like, your mouth was like the most of a parent he has been in this whole episode. He does act well in it, though. He snaps and says that, and you do like feel like there is a bit of authority to it. But the only time the whole for episode. For a brief moment. Yeah. The fact that they were throwing food all over like... Uh, you know, a stranger's guests, house. Yeah, it's like they're guests at this house, and they're squirting ketchup on the kids who live there and throwing food everywhere. Like, as a parent, how are you not fucking mortified by how your children are acting right now? Belt would be coming off at that point. You're making me look bad in front of my wife, who's already kind of on the fence about this. <laughs> my fucking stupid kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that you, considering how how horny and how much Frank wants this to work out, you'd think that he would have, you know, scared them straight or something. To make it seem like, you know, don't fuck this up. You know, that's just me. I feel I like this, this reminded me weirdly of not to go into the into a weird direction, but in the movie Step Brothers, right? When um the parents meet each other, right? She's like, I've got a 40-year-old kid. It's like, I've got a 40-year-old kid, right? Like, I imagine at some point in Jamaica, she was like, oh, my three kids. And he was like, oh, my three kids. And they, like, bonded over it. And then realized later, like, oh, we bonded over this, but this is going to become a logistical nightmare for it actual pro- It was lives. more fun. Frank, like, hey, nice bikini. These drinks are good. <laughs> She's like, I've got three kids. He's like, I'm just looking at that bikini, girl. These <laughs> and are he good. got on the plane and was like, shit. You got three kids. I can't tell with that figure. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it's like thigh master. Is that what that is? But yeah, anyways, the, the next scene is um, we're getting another establishing shot of the Foster's house. Only now the title card has the her crossed out in her house and it says their house. So now we know the Lamberts are moving in. So we see the truck pull up uh, with the four of them in it and all their belongings. And the Fosters all walk out to greet them. And Dana says, my God, here comes the Jode family. So I had to look this up. I didn't get the joke. I had to look it up. No, I have never read The Grapes of Wrath. So we read, it, we read it in school. Yeah, we read it in school. I didn't. Well, they reference it in Ninja Turtles. Like it's pretty present. Well, in any event, I've never read the Grapes of Wrath, and so I did not understand what this reference was. And I thought that you know maybe maybe it was just me who didn't get it, but I thought that joke was a little too over the heads for a simple sitcom like this. But again, though, maybe not thirty years ago, right? Like because I feel like even the Grapes of Wrath movie at that point is probably only twenty years old, right? So it's more present in culture. I was also super distracted by the packing job, which was very impressively stacked on that truck. <laughs> it was for how many people were moving in? It's they turned a pickup truck into like a U-Haul. It was like huge, but it was still a pickup truck. That's true. I do wow. wish that one of them was on top of a rocking chair, like Granny Clancy. Yeah, that's well not a lot of stuff for four people moving in and this kind of addressed after because carol's daughters ask if you know they're rushing into things and having to move in so fast and that it's a little bit of a red flag that these people can just up and move on a day's notice which are both solid points i think it's fair for what both of these daughters are saying right now well let's let's be fair too also somebody's making room in a day on a day's notice for four people moving in yeah how many bedrooms are in this house right because we don't establish that in this episode but we're assuming that these three kids have their own bedrooms and now they're being told you're gonna have to share a bedroom with your other brother from another mother well i guess it wouldn't be by age though right because like jt and and her are gonna stay you know like but again you're gonna have to start sharing room all of a sudden with these random people that's not gonna be fun for anybody they don't have six bedrooms upstairs right they probably have four and this is even before cody's living there in his van on the, <laughs> in the well bed. yeah well he doesn't need a bedroom though but um 
unfortunately that's later on so we can't talk about it um but yeah so horny frank's kind of oblivious to everything that's going on and he's just trying to act like everyone's just in good spirits and um he's just trying to have a positive spin on everything and as they start moving things inside um you hear another scream from karen this time because the lamberts are bringing a literal pig into the house with them and al calls her a wuss and says she probably wets her pants every time she hears thunder um yeah i think moving a pig into the house is a little much but but it's a baby piglet it's adorable and not only this reaction but one little later they act like it's a rat in the house like you're not not expecting to see a pig in your house in all fairness though that's that is a i can understand being a little without warning 90s though i mean because i mean look clarissa explains it all she had the the alligator Alligator named elvis you know there's gotta be some other um shows that i can't think of off the top of my head that had weird animals that was like a thing in pig the movies were all all the rage too we had baby pig in the city like gordy yep, it's more likely gordy, to find out about gordy. it's more likely to find out that someone has a pet pig now i think versus no, 30 well, years ago no no i mean people so there's so many instagram pages that i feel like that's kind of commonplace but who the fuck doesn't say yo by the way wait I well hold on hold on before fucking, you go on you said no and then defended my point, saying that it's more <laughs> commonplace now. It is more commonplace now. Then why do well, you say no? Because <laughs> I was, that's just my vernacular, Jay. Okay, um, okay. So what I was going to say was that what is even worse is that you would just be like, oh, by the way, I'm bringing a pig. Like, who the fuck doesn't say that up front except Horny Frank and the boys? I imagine he thought it would be a sticking point, so he just was like, we've got a lot of funny stuff, but we won't bring everything over, blah, 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 and then just showed up with it. There should have been a line, I told you I was bringing a pig. Oh, I thought you meant JT. That's a terrible thing to say about your son. Well, he's a rat boy, though. Or Or Dana could have been like, oh, great, so now two pigs are moving in. Right, yeah. Uh, I feel like they okay, could have. All right. You're both, both of you have better points there. Yeah. Better writing on both those. And we need a time machine. We can go back and write some serious sitcoms. No, what, what people need to do is just see us now and run their sitcoms by us before they go and pay us a consulting fee. Free pigs for everybody. <laughs> And then uh, Frank and Carol kind of end up alone in the living room after all this. And Carol tells them she doesn't think this is going to work out. The kids aren't getting along. She's been a nervous wreck. And they just don't like livestock that much. And Frank tells her, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. And tells her how a week ago, they're both raising their kids alone. And sleeping alone. And now fate and Velma, the travel agent, has put them together. I'm sorry, that's super manipulative, by the way. Right. And, And now they're not alone anymore. He and knows he knows she's lonely, and he, now he's preying on that. Well, no, because I think no, he's go, go lonely first, too. Right. No, I'm not saying that I know he's, he's not. lonely too, but the way he's wording it is like he's really manipulating her because they should have just gotten the divorce. I know it works. No, out, so again, so I think but. yeah, I think the idea behind it is the whole time. Like, uh, listen, I keep calling him horny Frank. He's just trying to stay with her. But I think this whole point is terrible because although true, yes, we were both alone. In general, justifying a relationship just to combat loneliness is the worst reason to be involved with someone. To like not overly like make something serious of this, but in reality, you're lonely, I'm lonely, 
neither of us want to be lonely. Great. And that like on paper makes a lot of sense. Now we're together and we're not lonely anymore. But that that cannot be the basis of your relationship and the reason that you're with somebody. I think dating, you're correct. But I think that this comes from a time where possibly they come from a moral standpoint where, hey, we got married. We should try to make a go of this, right? Like, I think that's, again, a different thing now. But I think that they might be like, oh, we got married. We have to give uh, it I a mean, shot. We don't know the full origin story. I was yeah, going to say, we- by your logic, that means both original spouses have to be dead. Yes. Which we don't know. They could be. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. That is a cheese-heavy area. It would be even better if they ran off together. And then we're like, well, our exes are gone. What a bang. See, I would love that meeting where it's like they end up being like, oh, Greg and Susan, let's go to Jamaica. And let's watch that pilot. I would like to see maybe a show where a couple gets together because both of their spouses were cheating on them with, you know, each other's significant other. And now these two are left alone and find a way to be together. And then there'd be all these kind of weird interjections with their their both their exes who are now a couple and they could come in and out of the picture. I mean a spinoff called Second Time Around about the two spouses who left each other to be with <laughs> each other yeah. is a good spinoff. Netflix, call us. Yeah, yeah. We'll, it can't we'll be any worse this. than country comfort. I'm not uh yeah, I'm not SAG authorized, but we'll work it out. I got a SAG right here. Netflix wants to see that. Well, there goes that sponsorship. <laughs> 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 to be fair, Netflix is losing so much money right now. They might be like, we don't care, Gordo. We don't care what you say. We'll take it. Hit us up, Peacock. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. If, he said, if SAG was a problem for him, you're going to mention Peacock. I don't think you want to yeah. go down that road. Yeah, I don't think uh, Netflix has a SAG issue because they're not TV. I don't know how all that works. Anyways, before we get too deep into that, he uh, he then goes on to tell her that you know everything's going to be okay and they're just going to... They're both going to be very happy because they love each other. Super manipulative. He she he doesn't even know that she loves him. Like, well, come that's on. the thing. Again, come on. Only, I'm guessing she said it to him too already, though. Look, everybody in have. the world, for the most part, has been in a situation where they start. Yeah, listen, I think a lot of the spin that you guys are taking is just anti-Frank. But, I mean, listen, I, I don't think it's just he's being manipulative. It's even. It's 100%. It's 50-50. It's not even, though. She's the one having doubts, and he sees that. She's tried to end it a couple times, and now all these red flags are stacking Hold up. Hold on. Hold on. If you remember earlier in the episode, early on, because I didn't mention this when it happened, when she's reflecting on the trip, when they first go to the kitchen to get coffee, and she's talking about, oh, the magical nights and the sand and the drinks, and she, like, drops her shirt down so he could start kissing her neck. Like, she's also very much into what's going on. She has lapses of judgment, and she she thinks clearly at times, but she also did this, and she is going with it, and she allowed this man to move into her house with the kids. She allowed herself to be manipulative and manipulated, and I don't blame her. because that's Frank's not got three other do. families that he followed with on vacation. That's exactly. uh, the spinoff's third time around and fourth time around, <laughs> which we'll be working on as well. And then the the final episode, which final season where he is in jail for cyber stalking. Uh, no, until we find out that like uh, Frank has multiple wives <laughs> from other women that he followed on their trips. And mainly like in that. Dallas. Yeah. Frank starts to be getting sorry. I'm from Utah. Like, <laughs> but no, what I want to touch on is they've only known each other for three months. They they've only been romantically involved for maybe a week at this point. Tops. If that, do not use the L word, you horny nutcase. Like you, like you, like just think about that. You've only known. I, I her agree for three with months. you, but that goes out the window when you've gotten married. 
Yeah, trope. I'm with Ferg also, uh, but like, has anybody here not said they love somebody prior to three months of dating? They haven't. They've been dating for a week tops. Three months of knowing somebody and then dating for a week. I feel like it's it's you're nope. in such a weird <laughs> bubble. Like no, you can't. No, no, I'm no, not no, saying no. it's right. I'm just saying you don't. They are in such a weird bubble that they decided to get married. They're throwing the L word around. You don't decide to get married and then not tell somebody you love them. That seems like a lower tier than getting fucking married. But it was a bizarre circumstance. Like, if you get married and she's like, I love you, and he's like, I'm going to think about it for a while, but I'll get back to you and let you know, but I'm really like you. Like, that's <laughs> not going to work. You said you, you're getting married to them. You're chomping you bits. You said I you're do. Married, you're saying love. Ah, uh, that's so early. It's so early. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying if you're married, you're going to say it. You're going to say we're in normal, love, even if it's just to justify. Normal situations. If you're married after being in an established relationship with somebody, they're only a week into dating. Like, granted, they're not they're dating, married. though. They're husband yeah, and wife. They're not dating. Yeah, but, that, that but they've only it. been romantically involved for a week. A you week. can't say we're picking apart certain things and we can't do that, and then you pick this apart. No, this is a major for me. You do not tell someone you love them a weekend. No, I can't wait until the day you're like, I told commitment. her I loved her, I don't know what to do, because it's going to happen now. You've just jinxed yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. You do not throw that around. I mean, uh, well, I, I agree, but like you shouldn't, right? I mean, if you feel it, maybe you do. Some people do, but I'm just saying people say they love each other very early in a relationship. I'm just saying once you've decided to get married, yeah. that's a different ballpark. You've you've hit a different threshold. You've legally fucked yourself. Not only it fucked the love, you've legally fucked yourself. Did, did Dharma and Greg tell each other they loved each other this early on? I don't know. I've never watched Dharma and Greg. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have. We'll, we'll eventually do a Dharma and Greg episode. I have very. No, little they were gay. Life. I thought they were gay. Oh no, yeah. that's Will and Grace. That's Will and Grace. Oh, I always oh. have done that with those two shows. Okay. And Grace isn't gay, just Will. I thought Grace was under and fire. Jack. <laughs> yes, it's turning into a Gallagher bit. I thought so, it was um, Saint <laughs> Elmo's fire. What are you talking so, about? Well, moving on now that Gordon. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but, um, anyways, um, again, this, this works on Carol, um, and they just start making out again until we hear another scream and that's now Peggy running in because she's now seen the pig in the salon. Exactly. See, they act like it's a mouse. It's a again, if you're not pig. If you're not expecting a pig to be in the house, that's, that's a little frightening. It makes me think of that episode of South Park when, um. They're trying to grow Mr. Garrison's penis on a rat. So when it runs around, they keep going, eek, a penis, eek. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just, just like, like that. that. Just like, like that. Like, Ferg, listen, like, I don't think a squirrel is a scary animal, but if I walk into my kitchen and a squirrel's running around, I'm probably going to be a little startled by it. But a squirrel is an invasive rodent, so it makes sense. Uh, this is clearly a pet. There's not wild pigs running around. And they shit everywhere. Yeah, I understand they shit everywhere, but a lot Actually, of animals pigs do that. are very like, do they clean. Bite? Are they aggressive? I don't know much about pigs as far as a, a, a domesticated version. I think that the, I know that like wild pigs are like nasty, like boars and stuff. Like they're nasty. So I, I don't know. I, I imagine the domesticated ones. are Yeah, but that's wild. like comparing a dog to a wolf. It's completely different. I mean, I guess that's true. So anyways, we cut to the next morning and Dana and Carol are in the kitchen setting no, up no, no, the no, table no, no. for breakfast. We're talking about pigs now, Jay. And you cannot <laughs> steer this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just had truffles in the um, salon and the pig went to go eat. So in any event, Dana and Carol are in the kitchen and they're setting up the kitchen for breakfast. Frank runs downstairs and tells... Uh, 
tells him about how he just took a shower and didn't have to dry himself off with socks. Again, painting himself as a very helpless man. First of all, you're not going to be... Do you think he's using clean socks or dirty socks? No, he goes in there wearing his socks, takes them off showers, and then picks the dirty socks out and rubs his armpits. How does he not have like like what what do they call like the athlete's jock, armpit? The, no, like the jock itch. Is that, that oh it? jock jams? Great album. <laughs> I would argue. I like how jock does he, rock myself. Jock more jam importantly, how well. does he not own a towel? He's got kids. Three kids. Yeah, <laughs> I got kids. I think everyone's forgotten to grab a towel before, right? And then you come out of the shower and you're like, oh, I'm soaking wet and I've got nothing in here but, like, whatever I was wearing when I came in. But you don't use that as a towel. You try to drip dry and, like, find a towel. Yeah, you go to where the towels are and ruin the bath mat. That's about it. Right, yeah. Yeah, and if that happened, you wouldn't do it so habitually that the luxury of using a towel is something that you need to tell everybody about. I'm going to say this. The The show started with him throwing a plate away because it was so dirty and said, I'll buy new plates. So you think he does laundry? Correct. Or he buys white towels because they're like the cheap things you can buy it, like whatever. And then he becomes so gnarly looking that he just throws them out and doesn't buy new ones. Yeah. He's got to smell like feet, though, if he's using dirty socks to dry himself. The the cologne a lot of guys were using back then was potent. Oh, like <laughs> so. Aramis? Yeah. yeah Aramis was. It's this old, old spice brute. Yeah, I was going to say, that dude owns a bottle with a ship on it that he sprays on himself every day and it kills every smell. So feet and old spice. So great. He, uh, he turns and incorrectly greets Dana, calling her Donna. And when she corrects him, he just kind of jokes it off by turning to Carol and confirming that Carol's her actual name. And uh, this is all happening because Frank is avoiding all logic to keep his hot wife that he doesn't want to lose. I mean, this is clearly motivated by sex and shelter. He wants to live in a nicer house and he wants to have sex with Suzanne Summers. When you break down this episode the way we are, like Frank without over like, because I don't agree with everything you guys have said about him. But I think even at surface, the things that we are seeing without overanalyzing, he's not a very likable guy. Even when he says like her name wrong, it's like he just comes off like a dick. I do like I do like this interaction though when he does get it right when she's leaving. Bye, Dana. Let's just- <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, he is very charming when he says bye, Dana, for some reason. I don't right? know why, but it works. I see what Suzanne saw in him. Just saying. With that, it's the first time I feel like Carol actually kind of yep. stepped up and like actually like the breakfast a li- conversation yeah right? she's a little like out of the the romantic haze and she says you know, and he moves over yeah usually we all have breakfast together in the morning and he says how and then she kind of just explains we wake up at the same time we get ready and we just come downstairs and have breakfast and he goes that sounds pretty neat and he sounded like an idiot when he said that like he sounded like such a goofy dumbass <laughs> wow that's yeah. pretty neat how you guys all have breakfast together I- I- it felt like that line was a little off for even his character at that point. He missed her hint that she wants them to all eat together as a family. Yeah, because Frank's kind of eating on the move. As soon as he ran downstairs, I think he just grabbed something off the table and was just kind of eating independently. But aside from Frank, literally the first scene of this entire show is three of his family eating breakfast together. Attempting to, had there been cereal in any of those boxes. Sure, had there been food, that was what they were doing. It wasn't foreign to him. Yeah, but it was independently of him. He wasn't part of the breakfast. So you would think that the children would be like, oh man, there's food downstairs. Is right. that real bacon yeah. I smell? That would have been good writing, yeah. Yeah. But make them eat like pigs. <laughs> yeah. Well, when Al does walk down the They're stairs- a pet. That's a pet. That's weird. <laughs> they eat like pigs. pigs. They eat like, like pigs. So when Al does walk down the stairs, she tells her dad she doesn't feel too good and doesn't think that she should go to school today. But she's kind of pulled this stunt before, so Frank's skeptical. 
Yeah, this is and, a callback. Yeah, and she tells him her stomach hurts, so he says, that's just because you haven't ate anything, and then he grabs some food off the table and kind of makes this makeshift breakfast sandwich that you guys referenced to My earlier. My one problem with this is, at the beginning when she pulls this, his go-to is he feels her hair temperature, and he goes, you know, it uh, feels like a math test. Yep. This time he doesn't feel her head when she actually has a fever. Well, yeah, but because it's so routine, I think this time he just was like, okay, okay, again, we're going through it. And we're going through the motion. So, and had he done that, we can't get to the later point. So he kind of has to skip that step. But yeah, he just grabs like, what does he just call it? Like an egg thing, which was probably just like, it was a, like a quiche, like, right? Yeah. Grabs that off a plate. Yeah. Should've and been, then he this just should have been a, a red flag by her too, though, because, um, Oh, you don't care what your kid, your daughter almost died. You're, now you're in charge of my kids. It's another thing piled on the list of shit. Also, I love egg sandwiches so much, but I wouldn't feed one to somebody who said their stomach hurt. That wouldn't be my, it's like, my stomach hurts. What should I do? Be like, eat eggs and bread. Like, that's not the fuck. Dude, you like fried eggs? Well, he grabs the egg thing and he puts it between two pieces of toast and he's like, almost as good as an egg McMuffin. But then he rips the side egg off, which I personally, when it comes to a breakfast sandwich, I love the side pieces. Also, that egg wasn't that big. I think if he, if he appropriately put it on the right part of the bread, it would have fit anyways. Yeah. He could have just um, folded the top. Yeah, there was plenty your room there was no need to rip and discard any of the egg could have done but but i'll say duffy she's pulled this so many times that i think it's okay that he disregarded it this time and she didn't I, really not fight disregarding it. it's that he didn't feel her head again right but he that's all for for story purposes he couldn't because then he would know that she was actually sick so he had to be able to blow blow by it to get to this part where carol and her have a moment together um because he runs off and that's when, you know, Carol asks, uh, well, she feels her forehead and notices that she is warm. This is once Frank is gone. And Al says, I know what you're trying to do, but you're not my mother. You'll never be her. And, you know, don't worry about me. Carol asks her if, you know, do you really have a stomach ache or do you just want to get out of school? Which is a little out of time because you've already felt her forehead and sees that she is a little sick, but whatever. And Al thinks it doesn't matter what she says because nobody will believe her anyways. By the way, that's fair because you constantly lie about being sick and try to get out of school. This is where it becomes a Miller Boyette sitcom, right? This is where it falls under the we're an episode of Full House, right? Where it's like chaos and funny jokes and all of a sudden it's like music changes, a serious thing is happening and it's going to become a a very family-oriented, real deal thing, right? Like it's on cue. Like it feels like a Full House right here. I'm glad you brought up the music change thing because it was the first thing I noticed. It's when they leave, they have that weird, like, it's like a horn. It goes, <laughs> <laughs> Sad Ornette Coleman. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because Al does eventually tell Carol that she really does have a stomach problem right now. And Carol's going to be like, okay, let's take you to the doctor's. So now we cut to the doctor's office where we see Frank, Carol, and all the kids in the waiting room, which I don't know why all the kids went with them. I don't think that was necessary, but... Because their relative, their relative is in surgery. <laughs> yeah, surgery. I mean that's fair. Even though they don't know There's her, nothing weird about that. No, but I think even if you look at every time, like within your own family, it's just typically you don't bring all the kids along. You would well, leave them Jay, at home I've seen a sitcom family. where a bunch of people meet up while a guy gets a finger up his butt and John Mulaney. So <laughs> yeah, this is normal to me. Also, this is a very full housey type thing, right? Like it's a big family. When one person does something, we all support them, right? Like it's following that mold. Yeah, it's like when Michelle fell off her horse and got uh, amnesia, mm. and she forgot how much of a piece of shit Uncle Joey was. But uh, 
Frank feels bad because he didn't believe Al and said if Carol didn't take her to the hospital, her appendix could have burst. And then Karen goes, I wish the zit would burst. And I was like a little forced this time because she doesn't have, she doesn't have a lot. You can see like they kind of tiered like which kids we think are the stronger actors right now. So we're going to feature, like we're going to feature Al the most. And then we're going to give Dana some lines and yeah. And JT is going to get some lines. And then like Mark and Brendan just don't talk at all this whole episode. And, but her, it's like, we get, you're the self-centered one. You're the Hillary Banks. You're the whatever, like the, the one who's more image focused but your new stepsister is in the hospital going through surgery and you're going ew i wish the zit would burst much like how her appendix almost burst i don't know i wish that though it, again we talked about the writing right if she didn't do that if she went up to the doctor or you saw her when the doctor walked away being like she asked you to go in it's like excuse me doctor here's your question what do you know about zits that would have been like a lol and it wouldn't have been her just shoehorned in being like i can't pop this fucking pimple if that happened yeah after we heard from the doctor and we know that she's okay that can change the tone but at this point you don't know what's wrong or the severity of it i just think if she if she's that self-centered she wouldn't have even gone i don't think she was asked if she would like to go or not stayed <laughs> with that like, with the aunt she's you know one salon over she's like 15 right she could have been home they could have showed her at home with clearasil pads and answering the phone right like she could have had like the stuff on her and been like they all went to the hospital like you could have worked around that i guess yeah possibly it just it felt weird and out of place question though they're all there together what kind of uh, did they drive two separate cars or do you think they all drove one like giant lambert clown car i don't think they've they've only been a family for a few days i don't think they've purchased a giant car that would facilitate everybody yet i've seen the way frank and pack all right <laughs> stuffed them all well frank's whole family fits in the truck and we're minus one person right so now you can fit one of the other kids in there yeah but that's four more people you can't subtract one and add four you would still need three extra bodies in theory that would fit inside of the truck throw them in the truck bed I imagine it must have been either the mother or the sister had to drive the rest of them there. Carol can drive. But like, Carol was already there. She took Al to the hospital. She couldn't drive the rest uh, of the kids. She's already right, there. Right, right, right. All five kids are left in the house. So no. So when Carol and one kid, my, so now listen, so that's eight people, right? So now we're taking two out of the equation. Usually Frank can drive the four of them. Now we would have to be able to drive six of them. No, someone probably dropped them off. We don't know how much time passed because all the kids are in school. So maybe Carol's there. She called him. They're in the thing. And then separately, they went and got them from school after school. And this is after classic overthinking on our parts because there's no way that the writers even thought about this. The next Clearly. scene begins and they're all just waiting there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so... This is because they're all there. This is kind of the first time we're seeing some interaction between both sides of the family where there's kind of some bonding going on. Dana tells JT that she's sorry about Al. JT kind of puts his hand on his shoulder and says, thanks. But she gives like a don't ever touch me. There's your step sibling moment, Joe. You're real. Yeah, this, this really could have done it, especially in a hospital. We have so many options. Yeah. Show me your tongue depressor. Boom. There it is. I think they're still children here. So we'll skirt a line. If they were uh, adults. <laughs> And then uh, Brendan and Mark are talking and it's kind of a similar start with Mark telling him that he's sorry. And Brendan says, having your appendix out is no big deal. Said he had his removed and then he opens his mouth to show Mark, which obviously he's confusing his appendix with his tonsils, I'd imagine. But I, I love it. It cuts to Mark's reaction and he looked like he was almost in pain for being so disgusted by how stupid Brendan is right here. Like the face he made was, I thought, really good. Oh, he's like a young white Urkel. 
So he's super genius levels. He was doing um, what was it, genetics for his school project, and he's I, I don't even know how old he's supposed to. From be. From what like. I understand, too, his character was made to be like a white Urkel. It just didn't quite pan out that way. But that was but that was some of the intention of the network when they put the show together. Yeah, you could see it, especially in this pilot, at least. Yeah, it just didn't it just didn't pan out that way. The similar glasses and the demeanor, yeah. Yeah. So then this is when the doctor comes out and informs the parents that she is out of surgery and she's recovering fine and she'll be okay. The doctor said she'd like to see you. And as Frank gets ready to head in, he's corrected and is told that she was asking for her mother. So now Cal's a little touched by this and said, she said that she called me mother. And the doctor says, well, actually, she asked to see the bimbo, but I assumed it was a pet name. Cringe. Then that joke didn't head for me. No, that no. joke didn't land. I saw where they were going, but I'm like, why do they keep using the word bimbo? Nineties. I would have <laughs> liked it more if she remained touched by it and she went in there. She went, "I met my real mother." And yeah. just, like, That's it just gets mama's dark. appendix. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, because uh, Carol does walk in and heads over to the bed and informs Al that the bimbo is here, and so she's embracing it, I guess. And Al apologizes though, and she says, "You know, I was sleepy when." I woke up and I couldn't remember your name and Carol said that was understandable since they only met three days ago I thought it was nice though that they gave her the moment where she was like sorry I wanted you still but I couldn't remember your name I only knew you was bimbo also yeah. I'm under anesthesia like yes. it, they sweetened it up pretty good I would another one I would have liked to, we only met three days ago we only met three days ago what have I done yeah. <laughs> it's like the realization of everything or they do the Dallas thing she wakes up instead and everyone's in the shower just like uh, <laughs> with Jerry Ewing wakes up in the shower Patrick Duffy's in the shower they just do like a one episode to make a long joke <laughs> there's like well the network paid a million dollars to make this joke for no reason everybody <laughs> well this is when we get the actual like full house sentimental part I felt because that like piano music starts up as Carol starts to sit next to her in the bed that's definitely borrowed score music too yeah it's yeah. like I'm not your mother but I'd really like to be your friend and Al's like well, why are you being so nice to me they found a tumor didn't they a cancer joke yeah. <laughs> Carol tells her that uh, being friends is the first step to being a family, and she says she knows that this is all happening very fast, but this could be a good thing for all of them in the long run, and that they do have one thing in common, and that's that they both love her father. Again, for me, a little too soon, but okay, we're, we're a split decision on that one. They're in love. Yeah, let it ride, man. Hey, some people think it's too early to say love. Some people think it's okay, but sometimes those same people think it's okay to eat medium well burgers. So, I mean, who are we judging here? We're saying that not everyone's opinions are, are you know, skewed in the right As direction. somebody who loves a medium well burger and Suzanne Summers. Don't be bringing my medium well burgers into this when you drink Moxie. You have the drink no... The, this, the nectar of a real man, Moxie. Oof. But uh, again, uh, unfortunately for a lot of our listeners, because we've mentioned this before, I don't think many people even know what Moxie is. Moxie is a delicious soda, but it's a little regional to the North east um it's motor oil you can put it it in your car it is almost (laughs) like a cola it is very tough to describe it uh it is advertised as distinctively different Uh, i wish i could send a moxie out to all of you listening uh as a thank you but unfortunately you'd have to come up to these parts i believe or probably you know the internet exists look it up on amazon you heard it here first everyone jay hates our fans yeah exactly i i just don't i don't know if i could send moxie out to everybody oh (laughs) you're saying that sending them moxie would be a bad (laughs) thing yeah yeah, absolutely not that's a hate crime i think <laughs> no <laughs> well, it's a crime um, and i hate it i guess that yeah. works out. <laughs> but uh and anyways if you're curious go look up moxie if you're not from this area 
Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Al says she's leaving the house in a few years, so it would be nice if someone was around to cook for her dad. Um, I wouldn't say a few years, judging by her age. She probably has 12 years. Yeah. She's got a little while before she's going to be out of the house, but you know, whatever. And Carol asks if she can give her a hug if she's very careful, obviously, because he just came out of surgery. Al accepts and reminds her uh, first that she could throw up at any moment. So now the two hug, and that's when you get Frank opening the door, sees them, just kind of smiles and stands there. Sitcom stuff. Yeah, like just wait for like, do bit of bow now. Yeah. I feel like this was very rushed, the bonding. I would have preferred if maybe they waited off on this plot point, couple episodes, have the family re- together, not, you're not my mom, a few things. And then maybe a two-parter, she collapses because of the appendix. And then they bond because she's there for her. But the fact that in the course of an episode, they, they shoehorned this all in. And now she's already, she's the hard one. Let's hug. Like, well, I think what, what happens is, for a pilot and for first time watches you need to end on some sort of a hope spot you can't end on a negative so you can't end with everybody hating each other unless you can find a very comedic way to get out of it because you you don't want to like leave everyone a sour taste in their mouth if it just kind of ends with negativity so they're just trying to inject this towards the end to kind of bring it together so people are going you know what i do like this show it's yeah i would welcome the negativity because i'm like how are these two polar opposites gonna get along right I want to tune in next week. That little bit of a hope spot that they need. It maybe didn't need to be this extreme, but maybe something had to happen at the end to kind of give you a reason to want them all to be together. To, to point num- point exactly what you were saying, maybe in episode two, she goes, man, what was I thinking? Calling, you know, being all <laughs> touchy-feely. Like, there's your com- they have comedic wiggle room. She's under yeah. uh, anesthesia. So remember that, too, if we're going to really dissect it. I would have liked that if instead of just Patrick Duffy at the door, the other kids were at the door, too, because then that gives you the reason for them to maybe give Suzanne Summers a chance, because then they see it, too. Now, that's very, that's very full house. Right, because at this point now, only Al is, like, on her side, right? You still have all these other kids. Maybe her two brothers. Maybe it doesn't have to be all of them, but... Right, but, like, the the two brothers. Patrick Duffy and the two other kids come by, and they're like, well, you know what? Maybe she's not so bad. She took care of Al and brought her to the hospital, right? Like, then you have a reason, and then you do another episode You're where, not a bimbo after all! <laughs> Thanks, rat boy! Right? Ha ha ha! Everybody laughs. Wow now! Everyone goes uh, yeah, so anyways, um, it cuts to that night, and now Frank and Carol are in bed, and Carol's making a list of all the things that she needs to get for everyone at the grocery store. And she asks Frank if there's anything that he wants, and then he grabs the notepad and writes something down, which, sorry to be crass here, I can only imagine with the amount of time he wrote, he wrote either sex or pussy. I think he drew, I think he drew a penis. I thought it was four letters, so I said anal. You, Joe, you think he wrote anal? Yeah, because it looked like he wrote four letters. Like, I was trying to see how many, because I was like, if he draws three letters, it's sex. If he draws five letters, it's whatever. So maybe head. <laughs> maybe she, anal. It she like also, like, turned it to the side to, like, look at it. So That's maybe why I drawing? think he drew a picture. She turned yeah. it. No, 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 no. He, he, he writes, listen, this is the 90s. They write in cursive. He could have definitely wrote, like, blowjob or head. If it's a four-letter word, he could have wrote head. I just said that again, too. Why do you not listen to anything I say? Maybe I do have a carbon monoxide leak in my house. Did you say cursive? No, but I said head. I said four letters. You said your anal or head. Oh. (laughs) Listen, great point on the cursive, though, buddy. Yeah, I do like the cursive idea. All you. The cursive was all you. 
But uh, <laughs> but he writes something we're assuming is crass and very something sexual. dirty. Yeah, obviously it's something dirty. So she says, Frank, the kids might see this. And then horny Frank is like, well, then let's get this crossed off the list and ends with the making out again. And horny Frank. I don't know. Again, I, I know this is horny Frank, but your daughter just had her appendix removed. It was kind of like a long day. Like, I don't know if I'd be like all horned up as soon as I got home. He knew she's safe. Newlyweds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, she's not going to die. I guess we're good now. This is one thing I've learned from sitcoms, because every sitcom someone loses an appendix, it's very safe. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be okay. Zero danger there. <laughs> but uh, that was that was the conclusion of the episode, except there is an outro, and we mentioned it really early on in this episode, where it shows, it's just kind of like a musical rendition of the intro, and it's just more of that roller coaster footage, which again, I just, I just assume is they need to get their money's worth. They paid so much money for this intro. Like, we... We needed a helicopter shot of this roller coaster. So we, we are going to use every bit of this footage that we have. And they also paid for a very sick saxophone solo. Actually, you know what else cost a lot of money and something that you wouldn't have even noticed. So we mentioned earlier, or Ferg mentioned that this is the Six Flags in California. So when you are uh, panning out, if you were to actually pan out from this roller coaster, it would be the parking lot. They digitally rendered the parking lot to turn it into water. So for a 90s sitcom with limited amounts of um, computer graphic availability, they changed the parking lot to be water to make it seem more like uh, area appropriate when they panned out on that shot. That is interesting. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then also as they panned out, you just hear... <laughs> but in my head, they have the guy from the movie Running Man who like turns the dummy into Arnold so the other dude can kill him on TV. Like, if we edit this away, this parking lot, we could get water. If it was a parking lot, would you go, wait a minute? <laughs> Shouldn't there be some water there? Like, I don't like this no one sucks. <laughs> yeah, like who is that much of a specific geography buff to be yeah. like, well, you know, in Port Washington, Wisconsin, if you were to go northeast, there would not be a body of water. Wait, there's no parking lot near the roller coaster. I also assume they added all those trees. There was like a theme park yeah. in a forest. <laughs> Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> DNA! Donald DNA! What is Frank gonna shoot all over his wife tonight? DNA! <laughs> that's, that's, the, God, that's the project Mark was working on earlier, the, uh, the, the genetic project he was doing. Maybe that's what he wrote down on the, on that's the, the project Frank was working on. I do love that his sexy, dirty word he wrote down, he just wrote DNA. <laughs> Dino DNA! Or if he spelled out all of DNA, he's like, what do you want tonight? It's like, deoxyribonucleus. Like, okay, that's too much. Stop saying it. <laughs> what I find funny, too, about the Six Flags Park as well is um, they were the only ones in there, correct? I didn't see too many people. No, you see other people because when the splash thing comes down, there's other people on the ride with them. One thing I just want to add, too, is um, there is an episode where they go to this park. I remember it like distinctively because there's that whole water part. They hear the kids. It goes, they're trying to say something to it. They're saying, get off the bridge. And then they get soaked. It's like opposite of DuckTales. Well, Cody's there. Oh, so, so it's it definitely not. Yeah. Was this, well, does he come in first season late or is he just second season? He comes in like a few episodes in, I believe. Okay, so he is first season, yeah. Yes. It's like the one main thing I really remember from the show. I remember that episode. I love in sitcoms when they go to theme parks or on vacation. Yeah, like, that I, was a I, big thing for TGIF shows too. Like, there's a two-parter Full House. Roseanne did it. I want to say Full, Full House too. Full House went to Disney, right? Isn't that when yeah. Danny was going to propose or whatever? 
on on Full House, she kept see, seeing Steve everywhere, like on the Indiana Jones ride. On Full House was when Stefan um, proposed to Lara at Disney. Right, yeah. But they go to Disneyland, right? Because Roseanne, I think, goes to Florida for Disney World, but I think the California show is like Full House. Makes it makes sense. more sense for them to go to Disneyland. I remember Danny Tanner and his girlfriend Vicky was, Vicky, I think, yeah. her name. They were at some sort of a re- there was at some sort of an, a restaurant that was like in an aquarium. Something like that. It was like an underwater. Right, because there's a joke about somebody in the diving tank, right? It's Joey. It's it's Joey and Jesse. They're doing their radio show from inside the giant oh, tank. You're right. Why do I remember yeah. so much? <laughs> but yeah. From Rush Hour Renegades? Yes. It's also the there's the subplot that Michelle wins some contest where she gets all the wishes she wants. So like they basically like wait on her, but she cut Stephanie in line. And then doesn't the genie become Steve? Well, Steve is Aladdin, right? <laughs> in real life. Well, Steve, Steve was is Aladdin, Aladdin in actual yeah. yeah. So I think they tried to do a little wink uh with that at some point. But anyways, that's a lot of full house talk. And uh I think we've I think we've talked about this. We've talked about step by step for quite a long time already. So I think too before long. we start changing too long, uh I think unless there's any final comments you guys have i think we're just about ready for the green lantern i could talk about horny frank for three more hours <laughs> maybe we'll yeah if anyone ever wants to hit up ferg privately on instagram and you want to talk about horny frank you go right ahead and he'll talk to you all night about it that manipulative bastard <laughs> actually i stole this shirt from horny frank <laughs> but uh <laughs> But yeah, let's uh, let's get on, and um, I think we'll we'll do the green lighter cancel now. I'm gonna go in the order. I see you guys in Gordo. I'm starting with you. Oh boy, cancel. Uh, the whole once I I got the the premise of Horny Frank because I don't know what happens in any other episode. He's manipulative. He's a stalker. He's clearly a bad parent. Um, it's not funny, and there wasn't that many like haha giggle giggle. Let me watch this. But I will give it a plus for theme song. Ferg, green light for the reasons Gordo canceled. I like Horny Frank and. <laughs> Much like her, she sees him and says, huh, this guy's a mess. I can fix him. That's what I, how I feel. All right. So you know what? I wish the show stayed like this. I like the opposite attracting, you know, the, the clean side and the dirty side. Um, I'll say this. I had completely different thoughts about this show from my memories and just looking at it a different way. It's very strange, but I, I did enjoy it. Um, I was a little on the fence. Um, but I would like to see more. I was entertained. The same reason I was entertained in the 90s with this show. I kept watching that. I'm gonna, I would keep watching now. So, green light. Joe. Yeah, I'm with Ferg on this one. Mainly the reasons I would say yes are the reasons Ferg, uh, Gordo would say no. Um, and I think that it says something that one of the shortest, easiest episodes to watch and take notes for was one of the longest ones we ever talked about. Minus one person from the podcast, right? There's, there's just so much to go on here. I it look it's it ages weirdly but it's not aged in a way that you're uncomfortable watching it like some stuff is it's fun to watch I really, I want to keep going I loved it as a kid it's hard to not like something on TGIF I feel like they did a pretty good picking for shows that went in that rotation that became sort of weird brain staples as a kid and I didn't think I'd get to make as many horny Patrick Duffy jokes as I did today and I'm so stoked about that so it's a <laughs> yes. green light for me so I've been very conflicted and I'm the one who picked this episode. Uh, I love step-by-step or did a lot growing up. I haven't really revisited it in some time now, but 
I think as I watch this, I enjoyed it, but I'm having a hard time deciphering if I'm enjoying it because of my memories of enjoying the show or because I genuinely like this episode. And even as I'm talking now, I'm still a little unsure of where I'm going to go. Because when I think back to Step by Step, now that we've completed talking about it, some of my favorite things about the show aren't present. I really liked Cody, the cousin. Uh, like the little things, um, how the Lamberts would make chocolate milk in their mouth. I don't know if you guys remember that, but they would they would take a big swig of milk and then like put Hershey syrup in their mouth and like swash it around. Like, and then I would try that as a kid, and that's something from this show. And that's similar to why I canceled um, Trailer Park Boys last week. So I, I know exactly what you're what you mean. So I think when I look at this, it's it's tough because I did enjoy the episode, but I think it's because I just know I like the show. I think when I really look at everything that happened, it w- and I remove myself from the situation, I think I'm I'm actually going to lean towards a cancel. So that's what I'll go with. And, and it's it, it's a tough decision because it really could have went either way. And like I said, even as I began talking, wasn't sure how I was going to vote. We got a tie, boys. So with that being said, we're at a tie. So we won't know whether or not this show passes or not until we hear from Nick, Pressure which um, you'll have to keep an eye out for our social media, which is S1E1Pod on Instagram. We'll put a graphic up usually towards the end of the week uh, after this episode's out. So keep an eye on that, S1E1Pod on Instagram, but additionally, S1E1Pod.com is where you can find all the links to everywhere to follow us, anywhere for our, to listen to episodes, anywhere for our social medias, everything's at S1E1Pod.com. So I ask you, go there, rate, review, subscribe, follow, do all those things on all the various links. We appreciate it very much. Please spread the word. Let people know if you enjoy the show, hit us up. Let us know about it. Tell us things you like and don't like. We always take that stuff to heart. But tell your friends. Let them know about us. Because uh, we would like to continue to see growth. It, It does mean a lot to us. That being said, that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you next week. Goodbye. I think we got the best day by day.